This is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station. 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. What up, everybody? Here we are on a Thursday edition. The opening kickoff for the next three hours. Uh, we get to sit here and talk sports and other stuff with you. 694-1055. And, of course, you can always get us in the app at WNSP.com. Hey, Lee. No hitter. Number four this year. Mike Lorenzen just acquired from Detroit by the Phillies. The no-no yesterday. He threw 124 pitches. Hey, I love it. As many pitches as you need, right? Manager kept him in there. They talked about it. This guy's a 31-year-old pitcher who is back in the starting lines. He's 2-0 since being acquired. But here's what's very unique about this. Lorenzen's only hitter. He becomes only the second pitcher since 1900 to throw a no-hitter in his home debut. He had won his first game pitching for the Phillies on the road. So he goes to Philadelphia yesterday in his home debut and does very well. The other interesting about this game, a guy named Wendell Wilson who had been in the minor leagues for years and years and had over 2,800 at-bats in the minors, never in the majors, homered in his first at-bat as a Philly yesterday. That may surface as a question later on in this show for a Chick-fil-A. Ah. Yes, I'm going to give a hint on that. So we had the no-hitter yesterday. Uh, as far as uh, conference realignment, expansion, dissolving, uh, the latest from Pete Thamel, ESPN, he says that the uh, athletic directors of the ACC, they've been talking about adding California and Stanford, but they have not agreed on a vote yet. The majority would be 12 votes. You need 12 out of 15, and apparently right now there's not enough support. I don't know what, what all the issues are. I'm sure a lot of it has to do with money. In fact, all of it probably has to do with money, how much they would get coming in, how, how it would affect the other schools in the ACC, it's not a it's not totally off the board, but it's not nearly a done deal. Discussions will continue about adding California and Stanford to the ACC. Hmm. All right. Well, I have a question for a lot of you. Do you all care? We were cool. Like obviously, Oklahoma, Texas, big news. USC, UCLA, pretty big news. Oregon, pretty cool, right? I mean, that's a pretty significant move. Do you all care about Stanford and where they wind up? Do you care if, are there, I guess what I'm saying is, other than Notre Dame right now and Florida State and may, I guess Clemson. Clemson, are those, is there any other school that, that, to me, there's really no other school that, that bothers me one way or the other or gets me going? I don't really care. I know there are going to be people out there that do. But I think all the big brands, except those three, are spoken for. Pretty much. And so all this other stuff is just window dressing. You know, the funny thing, not funny thing, but Stanford, year in and year out, has got usually the best athletic program in the United States. They have that Sears Cup. Stanford's usually one or two. But, like you said, who cares about water polo? Who cares about some of the other sports that they excel in? School does. Right now, I'm not sure the ACC is all on. I know they're not all on board about adding those two schools. I think I think what the Mark, this is just a, a gut feeling. I think they're concerned that a Florida State 
and maybe another school or two might leave. So they're looking, and it doesn't matter where, apparently, just to bring in more schools to offset what could be schools leaving. That, that's what I think is going on now that, you know, they're concerned that, you know, with Florida State mouthing off this week and getting everybody upset in the conference that forget the $120 million exit fee, they'll find a way eventually to get out. And then they don't want to be left hanging in the balance like the Pac-12 where all of a sudden you don't have enough teams to even, you know, field the league. So I think they're just looking to add teams at random. By the way, you mentioned water polo. How long? They're pretty good at it. How long would it take you guys to drown playing water polo? It would take me probably eight minutes. I'd be shocked if I could I could get to double digits, actually. That looks like an incredibly difficult sport, and I would be exhausted, and I would drown. I actually like watching water polo. I don't understand any of it. It's like hockey in the pool, right? With, yeah, without basically, the contact. Basically, it's just scoring. Just scoring. That's but pretty much it. I would drown. Well, we know you can't. You're not a good swimmer. We talked no. about that. So you, I know you'd drown too. But I, I, I don't know how long I could, I could actually stay afloat and tread water. And oh yeah, by the way, try to catch a ball, throw it through a net while trying to avoid. How defense. deep is the water? Too deep. I mean. It, if it's as long over, as you have to tread it's water, over three feet, I'm not competing. Well, I think it kind of defeats the purpose if it's not more than three feet. I don't care. I didn't care. expect to talk about water polo today, but that's how is there not a bigger casualty rate in 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 water polo? Well, the guys that are competing or the girls that are competing are pretty good swimmers. These aren't people they just shove in there and say, "Hey, go out there and play." I I assume some of them gets partial scholarships and. I wonder if the ACC has water polo. <laughs> that would be another thing, too, <laughs> sending a water polo team across country. That seems to be a an issue now that I'm hearing more and more about these secondary sports having do they, you know, the cost of sending them back and forth from the West Coast to the East Coast. Someone already said in the app, less than 10 minutes, definitely. I, I'm assuming you're talking about me and not you, that I would definitely drown in 10 minutes. Just saying. I'd be out there with a little flotation device. I'd, I'd attend. You, you'd watch? No, I'd attend your funeral. Oh, okay. Well, I'd I'm attend. not inviting you then. You don't have the... You, you <laughs> what are you going to send an invitation? I'll put it in my will. Everyone's invited okay. except Shervanian if I die by water polo. No problem. Okay, I, no, I the, the, the listener said that he died. That. that person would drown as well. Well, we'll drown together. We'll just be at the bottom of the... Do they have lifeguards? Seriously. They're the, like... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Lifeguards at the <laughs> you ever you ever see like, uh, well, let's say even pools with the signs lifeguards are not on duty or so yeah. forth like that. But even like when I used to go down to Perdido Key and obviously you know spend the summers at the beach, you rarely see a lifeguard there. At least in the area I was at, I don't do they have a McCall Shores? I, I guess they do. Still yeah. sitting atop the. Sure. Uh, the high chair and all that kind of good yeah. stuff, surrounded by girls and bikinis. I don't think uh, the last part happens a whole lot. Anymore. Not, more, not anymore. Not like yeah. on Baywatch. No, sorry. I, I hate to break the news to Lee here in front of it's all been you years people. Since I've been Baywatch is not real. It's not reality. I know. Oh darn. I know. I, I don't. I don't want to crush your dreams and goals and ambitions, but um, but you and David Hasselhoff sitting up there. 
with Nicole Eggert and uh, Pamela Anderson. Pamela Anderson. Yeah, Don't just, forget her. Just, yeah. Um, it's just never going to happen, Lee. Although, you know where it may happen? A fall football preview party. You have never you, know who's going to show extended up. Extended an invite? invite? Um, they Hassel, have, Hasselhoff? He's not doing anything. No, now, Hasselhoff, he? no. Nicole Eggert and Pam They're Anderson, okay. they, have, uh, ex- they, they do have how standing about, invitations. How about them as waitresses? Um, do you not think our attendance would perk up a lot a bit if people came there knowing that Pamela Anderson was going to be a waitress? I, yeah, I'm not sure she'd have to do anything except show up. Well, I mean, the fact of the matter is being served by Pam. I think that'd be unbelievable, and I think that would <laughs> fill up the place. Talk about a hero. <laughs> Lee would be ordering something every three seconds. Can I get some napkins? I need some ketchup. Can I get a refill? Pam, I didn't order this. Could you please... <laughs> Yeah. We'll see what we can do. Anyway, the uh, fall football preview party, that's at Heroes Sands Baywatch cast uh, August 17th. So make sure you come out to see us. Westmobile on Old Shell. Uh, we got the mini man cave we're giving away. Uh, lay the um, the 65-inch uh, 4K TV from Bailey's TV and Mattress. Huge. And to go with that, the recliner valued at $1,800. Uh, so... Uh, it's got all the all the cool stuff to it, um, so you guys need to make sure you come out and um, check us out. Do you it's be a lot do you fun. barbecue a lot? Not as much. I don't grill as much as I used to. See, I, used I to don't. Grill out a lot. I don't. I hardly ever. And when I was talking to Brian Bailey, who donated the TV, he said, "Would I like a Traeger grill?" And I said, "I'm not really into all that kind of stuff." I hear Dan Patrick talk about it all the time, and it sounds great. And you just, I don't know, you just turn the machine on and in somehow some way it cooks your food i'm not very gifted in all that i have a son-in-law who's really good at barbecuing so he's offering you yes he did but i wow. turned it down so i'm wondering if maybe i should suggest he offer it to you i have i don't barbecue because basically i don't i don't eat ribs and you know things like that i know you can put anything on it though sure. i mean, could even put seafood on it for that matter well at this point all you got to do is just Throw your food out there on the That's sidewalk what and, and let know. it cook. Yo, today, yeah. Every day. What What is a heat dome, by the way? And why are we under it? Is there no, like, trap door we can somehow you know, open? I, You know, domes are usually a positive. We talk about domes and going indoor and can control the conditions. And, you know, we're going to get a dome stadium and they have retractable roofs. Man, I feel like we're in... The Thunderdome now. It's crazy, the heat. Yeah, but you talk about the heat here. What about in some of the other communities? Did you see, like, in Arizona, Phoenix, 124, 130? Yeah. Numbers that just boggle the mind that it's not just here. It's the weather patterns across the United States and into Canada are crazy. It's off the charts. Yeah, so uh, maybe we need to get in the pool to do a little water polo to stay cool. Just saying. Uh, all right, so like I said, I'll August 7th. I'll just 7- get in my tub and turn on the Jets. Oh, wait, wait a minute. So we need to get back to this. You have one, but you've never used the I've Jets. I've never used it. How is it that you're such a fan of hot tubs and jacuzzis, yet you don't run the Jets in your own tub? Because when I'm at home, I have so many things on my mind to do. I don't want to just take time to sit in a tub with Jets going on. Now, when I'm at a hotel and I have some extra time, it's a little bit different. My mindset is at home. I can't sit still in one place for any long time. You know that. Hmm. Others here know that, too. They were, we've had those conversations. Like even yesterday, watching a baseball game or watching something, a sporting event, 
I rarely just sit still. I'm up. I'll go out, do this, do that, come back. So I just don't want to spend the time doing that. Whereas when I go away, it's going to be in August. If they have a hot tub and I have nothing better to do because I'm not going anywhere, I'll just sit and relax for about five minutes. I don't stay long, Mark. I don't stay more than five minutes. Hmm. Okay. Well, you could set yourself up a little TV so you can watch your Braves while you're in the Have you ever been in a hotel room where they had the TV in the bathroom? I happened once in uh, outside of Jacksonville where at the NCAA tournament stayed at this resort and St. Augustine, I think it was. And I walked in there and of course they had bathrobes all over the place. Sure. But then you walk in and the TV is in the bathroom. I'm like, Ooh, this is pretty nice. I wish we had won a few games so we could have stayed there longer. <laughs> all right. Uh, coming up today, uh, John Garcia is going to join us at six 30. Uh, uh, we'll talk some Cruton. Paul Feinbaum at 7 o'clock. Eli Goal at 7.30. Who said it like that when you just said Cruton? There was somebody else that on this station years ago that used to refer to it like that. Do you remember? I don't. Uh, it's a pretty... Cruton? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's a throwback. Is it? Yes. Well, I'm old school like that, clearly. You know. Uh, who else we got today? Uh, Jim Nagy, executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, is gonna uh, uh, drop on drop in at eight, and then uh, your buddy. It says I'm assuming that's Dan Jennings. Yeah, what do I have? Dawn, Dawn, Dawn Jennings. Uh, so his, yeah, his team got no hit last night. Oh well, he'll be in a good mood. So uh, let's get things started with the scoreboard traffic and weather. Being told that it's six and a half feet of water in water polo, I drown. So like like the NBA, I'd go five, out. Seven. I'd go recruit Yao Ming and all them guys, Kevin Durant. All right, just getting started. Stay with us. Hi, I'm Joe Godfrey. I'm a big fan of 105.5 WNSP Sports. From pitch, the three-two pitch. Swung on, popped up, shallow center field. Rojas sprinting in, he's under it. He has space, makes the catch, and Michael Lorenzen has thrown the 14th no-hitter in Philadelphia Phillies history. All right, 624, welcome back in. The opening kickoff, Mark Lee, Triple G, all in the studios of WNSP. A couple of uh, NFL preseason games tonight, if you're interested. Who? Who we got? Vikings, Seahawks. And I think the Patriots are also uh, playing Houston. That means uh, Stroud's going to play against uh, the Packers this evening. Packers this week scrimmage Cincinnati. They had a couple of brawls that broke out. Yeah. Did you hear about that? Uh, Jenkins, a left guard, was involved in both of them. I think they told him, hey, look, just go to the sideline, (laughs) okay, and and don't, don't get involved anymore. Yeah, it seems like... Actually, there seems to be as much intensity in these during the week scrimmages as there are in some of these preseason games, because some of your better players are playing. So, you know, they're they're actually involved in it. Aaron Rodgers. Let's see, the Jets. Uh, you have to help me out. They were scrimmaging. I think it was Carolina this week, and apparently Rodgers got frustrated with with his performance. But even though they like to sit out the veteran, like the quarterbacks, they do take part in these scrimmages during the week. And this is very un- this is very common these days. Now, in these exhibition games, you will see a, r- a lot of rookies playing. I mean, Stroud's the, what, it was a second pick overall. 
uh, to Houston. He is going to uh, play. I don't know how long, though. And I wonder if Will Anderson will get, get in tonight. That's a possibility, too. You're just going on the preseason, man. I love yeah. it. I'm, I doubt I'll watch any of it. Both games are on the NFL Network if you're interested. Uh, so, uh, you know, Nick Saban, by the way, uh, had his press conference yesterday. And what's interesting is he's still kind of riding the high of that media training class. He came in, he made some jokes, talked about how's the AC in here. Uh, uh, man, I was out there for two and a half hours and the guys were like, well, we'd go out if you let us go to practice. And he's like, well, if y'all wouldn't ask dumb questions and, you know, be charting who's on, who's on, on what team and playing what position and ask me 62 questions about it, then maybe I would if y'all ask some good questions. And so back and forth they go and it's funny and everybody's laughing. Ha ha ha. They ask some questions, but you can see as the press conference goes, he's getting more and more irritated. He's watching, he's looking at his watch. Uh, and then he misunderstood a question about the uh, a potential two-quarterback system because the reporter that asked it said, hey, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but he said, behind, you know, he mentioned something about two quarterbacks being behind center. And Saban thought he said something about would you rotate centers based on who was playing at quarterback. And so even when the reporter tried to explain that's not what I'm asking, he's like, any center can snap the ball to any quarterback. And he's, no, 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 no. Well, at this point, Saban's done. And so he finally understands the question. And he just gave this half-hearted, like, I'm getting ready to kill somebody look. He just basically said, if we think that would give us a chance to win, we'd certainly look at it. Was Nick the one who asked that question? Nick, were you at that press conference? Befuddled the coach again? I was not. No, Nick Saban likes my questions. He did. He did. He does. So has he actually come out in a press conference and said, I wish Nick Wiggins was here to ask the questions? Uh, not to my knowledge. Could have happened. I think it's a code. When he looks at his watch, it's like, I wish, to, I wish Triple G was here. Or and he did when he looks at his times. watch, it means I'm out of here. Yeah. Uh, I think that's probably a better. What if his point. watch stopped ticking? How many of you guys actually wear a watch anymore? I think we've talked about this. I know some people wear it because it's like, Jewelry, exactly the Rolexes and things like that, Casios, whatever. I I just don't see the point of watches anymore. I'm with you. I don't wear a watch. It's like uh, like uh, here's my here's the movie reference of the day. It's like in the internship, John Goodman was the boss, Vince Vaughn and Owen Wilson were salesmen. They sold these high end watches, and he went out of business without even telling them. They had, they were on the road trying to sell them, and he's like, nobody looks at their watch anymore. Well, some people do wear them because they do a lot more than tell time. Well, I told you about Apple the, watches don't count because that's kind of like. All right. That's what I was referring they to. They do all sorts of things. My point is the traditional watch that tells time and nothing else. I'm just saying there's not a whole lot of use of them for them anymore other than to look good. Glad we got that settled. All right. John Garcia is going to join us next. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. Uh, attention to detail. Um, focus on every play. I mean, so that 
we, we can play and not have penalties and missed assignments. And, you know, communication goes with that. I don't care whether you're playing the offensive line, you make a line call, whether you're playing the secondary, you make a coverage call. So everybody's on the same page. And oh, there he is. Alabama coach Nick Saban, we were just talking about him. His, his ears must have been burning. You know, in fairness to uh, Nick Saban, I'll say this. At least he's not like his former boss, Bill Belichick, who gives these one-word answers and, and doesn't give any kind of answers. Nick may be a little irritated, but at least he talks to the media and gives them quotes and things like that. I'll tell you a guy that's good to talk to when it comes to recruiting. Is that a way to go to say it? Yeah. yeah, give it a shot. John Garcia. Rivals. Hey, I'm right on. John, of course, has been with us for a number of years now and is the uh, recruiting analyst for Rivals. John, welcome to the show. What you doing these days? Hey, fellas. Good to be back on with you. Yeah, we're setting schedules. It's, it's football season, so we're, we're starting to plan where we're going to be Thursday and, and mainly Friday night, so uh, it's a beautiful time of year. Let me ask you this. Uh, Alabama just got a Georgia commit to flip. We found out that Auburn a couple of weeks ago has this put a dent in Georgia's class for the 2024 season yeah it's kind of a conundrum right it's the number one class and it's the number one class by you know a pretty strong margin over Ohio State right now others are certainly giving chase but yeah Georgia's class has had three decommitments over the last uh, I'd say two weeks and two of them have flipped to Georgia's you know every every year rival right Alabama uh, and certainly Auburn. So I do think it's it's put a bit of a perceptional hit on the class. But here's the thing. Every time they've lost a recruit, they've seemingly bounced back and gained another elite one. I remember just before DeMarcus Riddick flipped to Auburn, they la- they landed Justin Williams, a five-star linebacker. Uh, and just, uh, I guess, after or just before Peyton Woodyard flipped to Alabama, they landed the number one all-purpose back in Nathaniel Frazier. So I think – you know that fan base is maybe not feeling it negatively as much as as others are are celebrating the the wins over Georgia because they're still able to counter uh, almost every single move and that's why they've they've got this machine and their number one class is going to be tough to beat. To your knowledge, why are they? Why would somebody commit to Georgia, national power, and then switch? Is it NIL money? Is it something else? Um, you know, NIL is always going to be a part of it. I think from here on out, just going forward, that's going to be a part of the conversation. But I do think each circumstance is a little bit different. Um, I think for for Woodyard, this is a guy who is a California kid who's who's long been prioritized by all of these schools. You know, Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia. He was always one that was going to leave the area. It was just a matter of where he was going to go. And even after he committed to Georgia, he just continued to take visits elsewhere. Uh, and Alabama just kept chipping away. I think Riddick was a little bit more conventional um, at the moment. He committed to Georgia. This Hugh Free staff wasn't assembled yet. They weren't recruiting him just yet. Um, so that was one of those, you take an early commitment with a grain of salt because, you know, once the senior year, you know, comes around, um, the in-state schools always buckled down, and it became clear that Riddick wanted to stay a little bit closer to home. So I think they're all circumstantial, but it's still unusual to see um, decommitments with the number one team and the number one you know, recruiting team in the country. But it does happen, and it used to happen to Alabama when, when they were rattling off number one classes. It's, it it kind of happens to everyone. I think it's just a little bit more normalized, and we'll probably see more of it in general 
going forward with all these early commitments. Also, with all the news about conferences realigning, Pac-12 in trouble, Pac-12 teams going, have we seen yet any uh, prospective recruits change their mind because of that? Maybe somebody was going to California or Stanford or one of the, the few remaining schools there and says, ah, this is not for me. I, I'm, I'm going to a, a Power Five conference now. So have we seen anything yet? Not, not as abruptly just yet, but you know those phone calls are, are being had. Stanford's got more than two dozen verbal commitments right now. They have one of the biggest groups among uh, committed prospects. So you know if there's no resolution here sooner rather than later that it's just going to come up consistently for these guys, especially those who aren't local. You know, they're, they're doing a really good job in Florida. They've got commitments from the state of Georgia as well. You know, those prospects in particular, you would imagine, you know, if this perception continues to be so negative with, with the future prospects there, that it's going to continue to come up. And, and, and I think they're going to start seeing a little bit of a, a bump down from a recruiting perspective. But to their credit, they built up a very strong class with a lot of those June official visits. And obviously Stanford does provide something a little different educationally. So I do think they're going to hold on to the majority of those guys. So a couple of years ago, it was said that Texas and Texas A&M were the schools that really had the big advantage because of money, you know, the NIL and all that. What are you hearing about their recruiting classes coming into 2024? Well, I mean, I think that perception has uh, some merit, right? I mean, we're seeing Texas uh, really starting last cycle just hitting another level from a recruiting perspective, and they're, they're right in that ballpark again this year. A&M, I think, has been a little bit more polarizing. Uh, two years ago, obviously, a runaway number one class. I mean, they're going into everybody's state and pulling the top recruit. A lot of question marks around their methods. And then last year was a huge drop-off. Not a great class. Not deep. Not very five-star five heavy, but in this cycle, A&M seemingly has bounced back. It's not going to be number one. It's not going to be you know, a historic class, but it's going to be a top-ten group that has a lot of difference makers, uh, and they're able to go beyond the state lines to win some of these, these big battles, including, obviously, Cam Coleman, arguably the best player in the state of Alabama. So I, I do think that perception is starting to catch up to reality, and, and yeah. The, this arrow is going to be good to those programs as long as they can handle business on Saturdays. I think what Nick Saban, I think he's in his early 70s, 71, 2, or something like that. Do you hear from recruits that opposing coaches use that against Alabama uh, when recruiting against Alabama that, you know, telling it in whatever way they do that Nick Saban may not be there much longer? Is that a, is that a recruiting tool that some of these schools use against the Tide? It's been for a decade. Um, you know, but one Bama commit recently told me, "Look, the coach is going to probably die on that field one day." So there, there's there's really no concern for Alabama targets that Saban may not be their coach at some point in time. He's certainly not putting off any of those vibes privately or publicly, I guess, uh, for that matter. But yeah, look, his age is what it is, and, and other schools are going to use that because. There's just not a whole lot you can use against Alabama. Um, they play young players. They obviously win a ton, um, and they've been producing at every position. You used to be able to at least recruit against certain positions that Alabama wasn't known for, mainly quarterback, uh, wide receiver. Now you can't do that uh, seemingly anywhere. So any way you can push against 
you probably will use uh, Saban's age, but it's, it's always smarter to just not bring up a competitor at all, in my opinion. All right, in the next week or two, what are you expecting to hear from, let's say, some highly touted recruits, especially with the SEC? Well, yeah, there's still some impending uh, commitment decisions this month before uh, the, the season gets going. David Stone is probably uh, chief among them. Uh, Williams Nowerny, another defensive lineman, looking at Georgia, Missouri, uh, certainly Oklahoma, so very SEC-heavy battle there. Stone is, is more uh, Miami, Florida, Oklahoma, so a little bit more wide open there. So there's still a contingent of elite players that want to get this thing done before uh, their senior season begins. So still a little bit more fireworks uh, to come. Hey, let me ask you something. What, what coaching staff, in your opinion right now, is the best recruiting staff um, out there? as far as the guys that are out there recruiting and so forth, is there anyone that you could pinpoint that you'd say, hey, right now they're tops? I think it's hard to just uh, lump it into one staff. Uh, obviously, uh, what George is doing on the field and, and in recruiting is, is certainly something that's hard to beat. I think defensively, that is where the conversation begins. And I think you know one that doesn't get talked about, I guess, as much, for me, would be Ohio State, uh, especially offensively. We know the receiver production has been ridiculous, but quarterback-wise, offensive line-wise, Ohio State is, is kind of able to go anywhere and pluck anyone on the offensive side of the ball. So if, if I was able to split it up, I'd say offensive staff under Ryan Day and, and obviously defensive staff under Kirby. Do you think – now this is totally hypothetical. Do you think Notre Dame could increase or improve their recruiting if they were in a conference? rather than an independent? That's a great question that we've been asked, and I've probably had a different answer every time. I'm starting to think no, though. You know, there's Notre Dame's sell is we are not like the other Blue Bloods, even though we are a Blue Blood. And I think that independence, the TV contract mainly with NBC, all of those things really do play into that. So it does provide a uniqueness for Notre Dame that – if they join the ACC or, or, or the Big Ten especially, I do think they could kind of fall in line to being just one of the good teams as opposed to this this singular, unique entity that they've always been able to present both academically and, and elsewhere. So, John, you know about the conferences and what's going on. Do you think the ACC now is fighting an uphill battle, uh, even with Florida State and Clemson with the reputations trying to recruit against the SEC and the Big Ten? I do think so, uh, especially when it's so public that Florida State wants out. You know, I think that's not a good look for the conference at this time. And certainly they would love to, you know, inherit a Notre Dame if, if possible. We know they have a relationship in all the other sports. But, yeah, it's, it's not a good look for the ACC at the moment. Now, will it be detrimental to the point where we see, like, a big shift and another conference has, has maybe space to get to that third spot? I'm not sure. I think it, it, all we know for sure is the top two is, is the SEC and the Big Ten, and everything else is kind of a question mark. And I think that's part of the reason why there's so much urgency and, and borderline desperation coming from Tallahassee in particular. And I think Clemson probably feels the same way. They're just not going to go about it the way Florida State has because there's just different programs run by different people. But I do think that there's going to be some movement in the ACC, which is why now we're seeing reports of them looking literally across the country in California maybe to, to bring in some of those guys. Hey, John, as always, man, we appreciate it. Tell folks how they can continue to follow all things Cruton. 
Yes, sir. Rivals.com. Uh, it's a busy time of year, a lot of commitments. Uh, obviously, everybody's optimistic preseason, so uh, click on your favorite team and then give us a shot. Free trial for seven days. Hey, man, have a great weekend. Thanks. Take care, fellas. All right. Uh, we come back. We'll wrap up hour number one. Paul Feinbaum will kick off hour number two. Eli Gold included in that hour. Jim Nagy and Dan Jennings in hour number three. When we come back, we'll take your phone call. 694-1055. We've uh, discussed a number of things. Water polo came up. Mostly, how long would it take uh, for you to uh, essentially need assistance from drowning? Me, under 10 minutes. I'm pretty sure. Don't ask how. We get off the rails quite a bit on this show. I'm pretty sure that's why Lee has all our guests, to try to get us back on the rails. Because, you know, when we don't have guests, I'm talking. All right, wrapping up hour number one next. Stay with us. It's the opening kickoff. War Eagle, this is Butch Thompson, head baseball coach at Auburn University. You're listening to WNSP. He's been so good at shortstop. Tough hop for Tolia. He's not able to handle it. The Brewers win this one. Boy, what a game. What a way to take two out of three and have a winning homestand in the process. Unbelievable way to finish this one out. All right, wrapping up hour number one here on a Thursday. Uh, thanks for hanging with us. Uh, Mark and Lee in the studios of WNSP. Throwing error in extra innings allowed Milwaukee to win that game. With a walk-off throwing error. By the way, this segment brought to you by uh, South Alabama Athletics. Uh, reminding you that you get your tickets for JAG home football games, usajaguars.com slash tickets. And coming up uh, Saturday is the South Alabama Fall Fan Fest. That's from 1 to 3 at Hancock-Whitney Stadium. That night, the uh, JAG soccer team hosting Auburn. But uh, one of the highlights, and we'll talk more about this tomorrow with a representative of South Alabama's athletic uh, staff, that they're going to have a yard sale of memorabilia and game-used items from all sports. Okie dokie. All right, you guys can jump in at 694-1055. That is the number. Uh, by the way, I don't know, for all you uh, gamblers out there, uh, I have here in front of me some of the most bet um, – college football win totals for the upcoming season. The most bet over Colorado with the line set at three and a half wins. It is the most bet over in college football going into the season. Yeah, all they have to do is get over one win, right? No, three and a half. I know, but last year they had only one win. So it doesn't seem like a steep climb, like when you talk about teams that maybe won five or six games, you know, maybe, you know, maybe getting to eight or nine. But all he has to do is, you know, to get things started, you win a couple of games. So I think they'll do it. You think they go over three and a half? Yes. What do you think? I haven't looked at their schedule. I haven't either. I know they open with TCU. Obviously, they they have uh, Pac-12 teams in there. I have confidence that uh, that he'll put a pretty good product out there. Do I think they'll reach 500? I'm not saying that. Do I think they'll reach bowl status? Hard to predict. I don't think the uh, Pac-12 is the most difficult schedule to navigate through. But, uh, yeah, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt, Dion. All right. Uh, Michigan State, five and a half wins. <laughs> 
I don't know much about Michigan State. You know, their quarterback transferred to Auburn. I don't know. You know, he wasn't exactly like a Heisman Trophy guy that left. What do you, uh, let's say under. Uh, I'll skip all the other ones. Uh, I'll just, you don't have to comment on it. I just thought it was interesting that Colorado at three and a half uh, was the most bet over. So they'd have Alice to win football. four then, right, for that to be. Correct. They have to get the four wins. So, yeah. Yes. Michigan State. My gosh, I don't hear much about them at all. All you hear about is Michigan and Ohio State and maybe Penn State in the uh, Big Ten. Texas made the list. Most bet over. Uh, is It's the fourth most bet over at uh, nine and a half for Texas. So uh, I'm going to say no. You're going to say no. Yeah. That Now, they had eight wins last year, so you're saying they have to get to ten wins. Mm-hmm. No. The, you said nine and a half. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sorry. I was looking at another uh, line. Uh now, some of the unders, what's interesting about this is as much as we're crazy SEC fans around here, none of the overs or unders are SEC teams as of yet. I mean, Texas and Oklahoma are both in this group, but the me- the most bet under Kansas, it's six wins. Nebraska, it's six and a half wins. Cincinnati at five. Oklahoma at nine and a half. The most what, wait, bet back under. Up. What is Oklahoma? Nine and a half. After that dismal year they had last year, why would anybody go over? Because it's the under, the most bet under. Oh, sorry, under. Yeah. Uh, so just for you, guys, for you, uh, for you gambling folk out there, why is it always a half? Why can't it just be a solid number? So it's not a push. <laughs> push, push, push. Somebody, somebody, they want somebody to win and somebody to lose, and mostly they want you to lose so they can win. That's why you I don't guys bet. Have any? Um any teams that you're rocking with that might go against the grain that you're either Some high or low on? Dark horses? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. I'll go back to what I was doing. What about you, Lee? Who are you high on? Who you, who you? Obviously Colorado. You know, I have mixed emotions about Southern Cal. That that I hear a lot of talk about, you know, them being a contender for the college football playoff. I'm going to buy into it. I think I think they have a, a shot. You know, they they ha- supposedly have the best quarterback in the nation, not named Drake May, in Caleb Williams. I don't know about their defense. I would think that this this has to be Lincoln Riley's year uh, to get Southern Cal in the mix for the uh, Final Four. So I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with them right now, and this the last year of the Pac-12 as we know it. Uh, as far as the SEC, oh, so wait, one second though. Do you think the college football playoff committee will <laughs> lean on the sentimental value of the Pac-12 going away? And as one final nod to this great conference, will they give USC or the winner of that league a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt? No. As far as the college football playoff, I don't is concerned? believe that. If they if they go undefeated or maybe have one loss, they have a good shot. But they're not gonna they're not gonna lean in their direction just if they don't deserve to be there. If they lose like two games, forget it. Oh well, I understand that. But if they're in the mix, because generally when you say Pac-12, in the mix, undefeated team or what are we talking about? Well, let's say they they have one loss and so and there's only one undefeated team and they've they're one of three or four with with uh, let's no. say four. Let's say there are one of four teams with one loss. There's an undefeated team. Somebody's going to get left out. Would they give the Pac-12 the nod simply because 
Man, we're going to miss the Pac-12 and the uh, Rose Bowl. Well, the Grand the one lost to? <laughs> now you're talking. And who did the other four imaginary teams lose their game to? And at what date? Oh, it's the undefeated team. Yeah, yeah, how come you don't have that information, Mark? That's come a on. Good, that's a good question. All right, let's say you. All right, what happens if USC loses to Nevada, but it was the second game of the season and since then rolled off wins against Stanford, Arizona State, Colorado, Arizona, Notre Dame, Utah, Cal, Washington, Oregon, and UCLA. And they win they the, would, and then they and win, they win the, the Pac 12 championship. They would be in. They would be in. Yeah. Over a one loss, let's say. Alabama. <laughs> the one-loss Alabama team that lost to Georgia in the SEC championship game. I don't know if Would there's much. Would they be in over that in that scenario? See, I don't buy into the sentimentality bit. I don't. I don't think the committee set up to do that. I could I be wrong. It's you know human interest, but I. I don't think that matters. I think they'll. They look at the schedule. They look at the you know the fact whether you obviously won your conference championship, but I really think they take pride in figuring out who who they beat and who they lost to. Well, that's how well, what they're supposed see, to do. In, in your hypothetical, well, that's what I'm Alabama telling you. would have been the number one team the whole year if their first loss came in the SEC championship. So they they would only drop to three, right? Why do you let facts get in the way of a good story? I mean, I'm 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 all, I'm. I'm fine off the cuff here. I love here. a hypothetical. Give me I love some made-up bull crap, but we got to plan it out. And it's got to make sense. All right, in the same scenario, Alabama has a loss going into the championship, loses on a last-second field goal to Georgia. Are you putting the USC team? No. You're not putting USC? they be the number one team all year? No, I'm saying if they if, – I, re, I redid the scenario. Oh. If they have one loss going oh, into the championship. So now they have two. So now this is their second loss, but it's on a last-second – it's on a last-second field goal to undefeated and number ranked, number one-ranked Georgia. Are they still getting in over a one-loss USC? USC would be higher than them, but they might could get in at four. And you have Georgia at one, USC at three, and then who's at two? Like that random undefeated team from like a smaller conference? No, uh, Ohio State would be two undefeated. Is that our, did we just plan out? <laughs> <laughs> I think Alabama gets in because it's not about what you put out on the field. It's about the brand. Now, regardless what happens of the when LSU finishes 10-2 and two and Alabama finishes 10-2? and two, Who won the head-to-head? And then Georgia's. And then what if Tennessee's like... <laughs> 10 and 2. Bro, you're as good at this as I am in the <laughs> hypotheticals. Paul Feinbaum's next. Stay with us. is the opening kickoff on the country's first FM all-sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Four boys and girls on a Thursday that could only mean one thing. 
Well, before we do get to that one person, uh, some headlines. Uh, Mike Lorenzen, no-hitter, number four in the majors this year for the Phillies beating Washington. And Pete Thamel of ESPN reports that officials, meaning athletic directors, did not take a vote yesterday on whether to add Stanford and California. Apparently, there's a lot of bumps in the road. That being said, somebody from ESPN, SEC Network, helps us out this morning, our good friend Paul Feinbaum. Paul, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? Doing great. Thank you. Good morning. Uh, Good morning to you. Catch us up. What's next for conference realignment? What do you see happening down the road? Uh, Right now, I don't see anything. Uh, I really believe that all the moves have been made. Uh, I think the ACC conversation is absurd i don't believe they're going to expand uh, when they really can barely handle what they have and i felt greg sankey tuesday night really put an end to uh, the immediate conversation about sec expansion so right now i think we've seen the last of it uh, at least for this cycle so you had Sankey on your show. By the way, good morning. Uh, I'm curious. You you you've talked to him a lot. Do you have the Greg Sankey kind of decoder ring? Can you translate for us what exactly he's saying? Because he's always so very careful and very specific about the, his word choice. Well, Mark, I think he has to be careful uh, for a lot of reasons. And I thought of again taking myself out of this equation. Uh, you know, he didn't say anything for a number of days and then Tuesday uh, with us, you know, he talked for a long time. What did he say? Uh, I think he made it very clear. The SEC is not expanding just for expansion's sake. I I thought one of the key lines he made was, you know, we don't, we don't need to be in poor time zones to be relevant. Uh, I mean, that said it all. Uh, And, and I, I don't think he's concerned about the numbers. A lot of things, a lot of people immediately said, well, the big 10 has gone to 18. Now the SEC has to move. He doesn't look at it that way because, you know, of, of the schools that the, the Big Ten has, has, has picked up, how many of those four really move the needle? And I'm not talking about being a geek here about college football and arguing the merits of Oregon and Washington. Uh, the answer is one, and that's USC. When the SEC expanded the last time, both Oklahoma and Texas moved the needle. I mean, that's that's not a that's not in the, in the in dispute. So, I think what he's saying is, if, if somebody, you know, at some point, if, there, if there's a needle mover, we'll 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 consider it. But we're just not going out there picking up uh, table scraps. And and you know, if you're Florida State, uh, that had to be a shot across the bow. Indeed. Uh, so what do you think happens with these four remaining teams in the Pac-12? If the ACC doesn't take them, where do they go? Well, I, I think they, you know, they're probably their best option is the Mountain West. It's not a great option, but it's better than uh, having four teams in a league. And I don't think it really much matters, Lee. Uh, we're not talking about any, any schools out there that are going to affect the balance of college college football very much and, and that's really what we're talking about and i know, you know every every coach wants to talk about the softball and the volleyball and all these other parts of the equation and i mean if you're a parent out there or an athlete uh i i i, I hear you but that's not what is moving conference realignment it's all about football uh equaling how many people will watch these these games on television how do you feel about the Pac-12 dissolving like this? Does it bother you at all, the fact that this conference has been in existence for, what, 100 years or so, or it's just because of the way the landscape is now? So what? Right, it really 
really doesn't uh, cost me much sleep, Lee. I mean, I grew up. Uh, my, my parents took me to Sears and Roebuck on Saturday. I don't, I don't think you see too many of them around anymore, do you? Uh-huh. I mean, I don't mean to be uh, harsh here, but that's just the reality of the world. Uh, everything changes. Uh, and if you, if you, uh, you know, as you get older, you, 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 you accept that. Uh, I grew up in a time when, as you did, Lee, that uh, there was one college football game on a day. There was one baseball game on. Uh, a day and and you know what you watched it didn't matter who it was uh, we all know what we have today uh, so does it matter to me a whole lot that uh, the Pac-12 is, is going to be uh, out of existence no it doesn't I've got to ask you because you uh, bringing up the the part with Greg Sankey and, and the fact that you did you do got to talk to him the SEC has had this way of springing news on us when we least expect it do you think there's any way, shape, or form that they're just laying in the weeds and will spring another surprise announcement of maybe a Clemson or a Florida State coming in before this year is out? No, uh, not at all. And, you know, again, in terms of the news, uh, the, the, the only story that, that you have to keep your eye on is Florida State. Uh, why? Because there's a deadline, I believe, uh, coming up here in a couple of days. That you know, if, if they're going, if they're going to bail out for ne- uh, beyond next year, they have to they have to make a notification a year out. I don't see that happening. Uh, I think Florida State is on an island right now. Uh, they they took a, they took a wild swing last week. Uh, it was dramatic. Uh, you know, on one level, you go, okay, well, good for you. Uh, you're sending out a clarion call, but I don't think they have any suitors. Uh, I'm not saying they aren't attractive. I, I, I've said it before. I think they are. I, I, I said last week I thought you know, th- they would fit into the SEC really well. But I wonder how much damage they've done to themselves, totally. By doing what they did, they have told other conferences, do we want you as a, as a member? And, and, and that's one thing that the SEC really values. And, you know, that is the collegiality. And you can, you can snort, uh, snort and laugh and go – Come on, but but you know, in those rooms, it's fairly. It's true. I mean, Lee, I've seen you at, at, at SEC spring meetings every year. It, they, they get along, and these are the people that you know, the, the athletic directors, the, the presidents. They work together for the most part, and you rarely uh, under 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 Greg Sankey have seen disagreement. Even even if you go back two years ago, uh, Texas A&M threw a fit. Didn't last very long. Uh, and it didn't last very long because uh, I, I think the commissioner got a hold of it and said, "Listen, let's calm down. Uh, let's let's think about uh, you know the quote unquote the greater good." Where in the in the ACC, I, I think what you heard from Florida State, you could have heard that from a couple of other other schools. I mean, no, nobody's happy that, in that league right now except Florida State's the only one that went scorched earth. Paul Feinbaum's our guest. Follow him on Twitter at Feinbaum. Speaking of Texas A&M, a couple of different things have popped up, including um, this whole 12th man plus is going away, uh, citing an IRS memo. Uh, if For those that don't remember, the 12th man plus was kind of the arm, the, the NIL arm of uh, the 12th man foundation, and, and donors were going to get priority points for parking and, and tickets based on how much they gave. Um is this the start of some type of reform on NIL? Well, I don't know exactly uh, what happens next. I mean, to me, this seems like an IRS accounting issue. Uh, I would be surprised if they can't figure it out. And 
come up with another another route. But I don't think it's going to be a a blockbuster uh, mark. It does seem like a big deal considering the past, the recent past of Jimbo Fisher and A and M. But I, uh, I I fully expect A and M to uh, find a solution to this quickly. Yeah. Um... I wanted to ask you, uh, I, I don't know if you had a chance to see, we, we've talked a lot about the Johnny Manziel doc. Uh, you pretty much broke the news here about a year ago that there was going to be a Florida doc. That one's coming up. Um, can you give us any insight into what we might expect in that one? Yeah, I mean, what I know about that is, is my own participation, uh, which I did tell you at the time out of school, of course, and Netflix did not appreciate it. And I think they raised my rate as a, as a, <laughs> as a punitive action. Uh, but it, it, it will be, it's, a, it's going to be a four-part series, uh, primarily on, on the Urban Meyer time. It, it, what was interesting when I was uh, – I sat with them for about six or seven hours last May, a year ago – and I, I started railing on Urban Meyer uh, at Ohio State and at Jacksonville, and they kept they had to stop me and say, "Hey, hey, but hey, slow down. We, that, that doesn't matter. That, that this is about before that. So when you're doing a documentary, you have to always remember the the time piece. Uh, so it will be about clearly uh, Tebow. Uh, I think he will be a major star of it. Uh, Aaron Hernandez, I think will will factor in. And I think what what my 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 read on it is that they they've gotten some locker room footage from that period. And I really don't remember who shot it or why, but it is apparently going to be very raw. Uh, now, uh, I think some people who have been in locker rooms won't be surprised, but, but I think uh, I, I think a lot of people will be. Uh, beyond that, I, I think uh, it, it's going to be really interesting about, uh, you know, what's really particularly interesting is to me is at that moment in time, going back to uh, 07, 08, uh, even into the 09 season, Florida was really the the team to beat. Uh, Urban Meyer was considered the best coach in college football, and and you see in this documentary how how all that shifted with Alabama and Nick Saban. So what you're telling me after all that, all I heard is 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 Tim Tebow. We're gonna get Tim Tebow on video cursing in a locker room. Is that what I'm hearing? No, no, you're going to get Tim Tebow around people who are cursing. Oh uh, well, which, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I but I promise you I have not seen it. Um, they sent me some clips and I haven't even watched it yet. I mean, all I know more I know more from Tebow on this than I do myself, even though I was interviewed. Because because Mark, I I, ha, I have no idea what I was I, what I contributed to it because I really uh, I didn't cover the team. I, I saw them a yeah. couple of times, but that was my the extent. But I think they just assumed that I knew more than I did. But so how does I didn't how how does Netflix uh, um contact you and tell you that they're unhappy with some of the things that you revealed do they do they freeze your account do they do they send you a letter do they yeah. do, do they call you yeah when you uh on saturday when you flip on netflix yeah. it says uh, <laughs> you're, you're prohibited from watching uh yeah. you know the lincoln lawyer or something or right. uh, or suits or something uh you know i don't know uh uh, I, I got the word. Uh, I mean, they, they con the group uh, that I met with was from London, so they contacted me through a, a talent agency. It was a convoluted process before they got here. So, do they take care of all your expenses? If in fact there are expenses when they interview you or anybody yeah. else, not just you, Paul, but yeah, any they do. Uh, yeah, I met them where I live. Uh, I mean, they, they got a. I mean, they literally rented a house downtown in Charlotte, uh, and I went down there. They were there for the entire day. I was the only person they were talking to. I will say, on one of these documentaries I did about uh, seven or eight years ago, we they uh, they 
tried to get me on a certain day or something, and I mean, we just kept missing. Uh, we couldn't do it. And they finally said, "Are you free on this Monday?" And it just so happened it was like in, in a, early June. There was not much going on, and they actually flew me to L.A. for a day to to tape something. I mean, these guys have no budget. They don't care. They're they're not like normal media companies that are pinching their pennies. I mean. Some of these, they're, they're unlimited uh, until they run out of money. Speaking of media companies pinching pennies, uh, there was an announcement that uh, ESPN threw out there. Uh, I know Greg McElroy, there's going to be some shifting around with uh, calling games and booths and, and, and that kind of thing. I'm assuming all uh, status quo for you this upcoming season as far as your duties? I uh, I don't think I have uh, anything different this year than, than I did last year. How about that for a uh, political answer? Okay, uh, fair enough. Uh, will, will there be any different types of props? Did we return the coffin? Or are we doing anything different there? Yeah, I mean, based on what I know, uh, the uh, the SEC show, which I'm doing, uh, I believe remains the same, Mark. Uh, I guess that was what you were asking me. Yeah. Um, now, I, 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 I still think there's – uh, yeah, I, I, I thought this was a, a late announcement by uh, by ESPN. Usually, this stuff comes out in July, and now does that would that indicate to me that there may be more coming? Uh, there could be. Uh, I mean, obviously, uh, the other Saturday show has already seen some changes. Well, I, I figured after the initial report about Greg and my email to a to a certain PR person that it maybe it was just the person that you know wasn't very efficient in getting that word out. I don't know. I don't know. Oh, uh, so you you uh, are you telling me that uh, the PR person at ESPN has not been accommodating? Uh, I did not get a return email, but uh, in the time that I sent the email, and uh, I guess they were finishing up the press release that got sent out. I think we I think no. we have, we both know who we're talking about. Yeah, actually, I saw her the other day. So well, uh, tell her I said hi, and that there's an, there's an email in her <laughs> inbox. <laughs> I, I was a, I, I was in a meeting with her, so I I, I can't confirm uh, proof of life. Very good. Hey, Paul, enjoyed it, man. Thank you so much. We'll do it again soon. Thanks, Mark. Yep. All right. Scoreboard traffic and weather next. A fantastic story. So we're talking about the mini man cave that you're gonna we're we're gonna give away. This is your best option for getting yourself a brand new television for the upcoming college football season. There is an example of how things can go wrong. If you're looking for a different avenue for free television, Lee stumbled upon this story. We're going to talk about it next and reiterate how important it is that you come on by the fall football preview party at Heroes in, in Westmobile on August 17th and get you involved in that Bailey's TV and Mattress 65-inch 4K TV and the recliner from Barrow Fine Furniture valued $1,800. We're going to tell you why you need to do it this way and not the other way. Stay with us. This is Reese Dismukes. You're listening to 1055 WNSP. Oops, in game three of the series. Yes! Called strike on the outside corner at the bottom of the zone. Davis and the Pirates are done, and the Braves hang on. Six to five. Have it the whole time, partner. <laughs> All right, 724. Thanks for joining us here on the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee.
Yeah, that four-game series will wind up this afternoon. The Braves have taken two out of three from Pittsburgh. They still own the best record in Major League Baseball. You know, Mark, you talked about how hot it is, and when you talk about heat, you want to make sure your air conditioning is working well, and that's why I suggest that anybody who has not aligned themselves with any kind of, uh, let's say, business might want to consider bachelor service. You like to be with a business that is stable. They've been in business for over 50 years, probably 54, 55 years. So there's that. The fact of the matter is they offer this amazing tune-up special, $79 tune-up special where they'll come to your home and service the heating and air conditioning system. Look, the last thing you want is for your air conditioning system to go out. I'll tell you this. It happened to me just a couple of days ago. It's not the most pleasant thing with the temperatures being what they are. So at Bachelor Service, they're ready to come out, uh, sign them up. You know that they'll always be there for you, whether it's the weekend, a holiday, or during the week. They also offer the Daikin uh, products with the 12-year parts and labor warranty. They uh, offer a lot of other things, too, and you've heard this many times. They are our team of the day, and they offer uh, air purification products, uh, whole house generators in stock. And how about this? plumbing services you want more information you want to get aligned with a very successful business call rick true or anybody else at bachelor service at 476-4321 or visit them at bachelorservice.com bachelor service is our team of the day all right so we've been talking we don't have a whole lot of time here but it, it, it it's worth mentioning to you guys uh in our early segment of news of the weird there was a guy who stole, successfully stole, a television from Target. In not, Atlanta, not here. In the Atlanta area. Yeah, not here. Not here. That would just be too rich. So you would think he would just be happy with that. But no. He didn't like the TV. He wanted a different TV. So you would say, okay, Mark, so you went and tried to steal it again and got caught? No. He tried to return the TV that he stole and steal a more expensive one. That's when things went awry. Uh, A Target security guard, apparently those are a real thing, flagged him down and and, and, and grabbed officers when they got informed. And uh, he was still in the store by the time the officers got there. See what I don't I can't figure out first of all is how he even left the store with the first TV in a shopping cart and nobody even picked up on it the fact that he didn't pay for it. Now my other question is according to the headline he wanted a much bigger TV. Did it actually explain how big he what what are we looking how at? How big was it? How big was that TV? Uh it does not. 65 inch 4K smart TV like the one we're getting from <laughs> Bailey's. He also got into a fight, Mark, with the security guard. Yeah. They were seen wrestling on the ground and said he, I won't use his term, but I don't want to go to jail. Yeah, he well, dropped you a... should have thought about that beforehand. I don't want to blank and go to jail. But Do you guys remember that story uh, not too long ago where the Best Buy security guard woman was fighting the person that was stealing some stuff, so they fired her? Because she was being too aggressive with the thief. And then Dana White gave her a UFC contract. Bigger and better things. This guy yells, I didn't mean it. I think you did. 
I don't want to go to jail. I just don't want to go to blank in jail. Where was the security guard when this guy was walking out in a shopping cart with a big TV set? Apparently it wasn't big enough. Dude returned it. Was he trying to get store credit? Maybe. Maybe you get the cash and then you steal another TV and you rinse and repeat. Hmm. Interesting. Risky proposition, Cotton. I don't think it paid off. Eli Gold is next. Stay with us. the music that can only mean one thing it's uh thanks to dex imaging for our next guest the voice of the crimson tide mr eli gold eli how are you today i am well thank you hey did you guys see the race from uh, the indycar race from nashville last weekend uh the reason i bring it up is because the dex imaging car uh was running up front for most of the day ended up finishing second i believe but uh uh, just another example of how uh, the guys from Dex Imaging take advantage of events that are in their area and make sure they are supporting it. We've talked about uh, Dex uh, for so many years now. Well, there they were again, the big three letters, D-E-X, leading the race at, Indi at uh, Nashville last weekend for the IndyCars. So, uh, folks, remember we talk about the, the great folks at Dex and what they do and how they support the community. They did it again last weekend. So those are the kind of folks you want to deal with when you're looking for a business machine. Dex Imaging and online it's D-E-X, D-E-X-Imaging.com. They're like that five-star versatile athlete that you recruit. I like it. So uh, I, I, I got something for you. I want you – I'd love to get your reaction uh, to comments made yesterday at the Alabama press conference. Take a listen, Eli. Uh, he's uh, been with us for a long time. Uh, he's kind of a part of the tradition around here in terms of the expectation of being the voice of, you know, the Crimson Tide Network uh, in a lot of ways, whether it's radio show or whatever it is. And um, I'm just happy for him and his family that he's getting healthier uh, and he's able to get around and he's going to be able to, you know, get back and do what he loves doing. So um, we're going to do everything we can to support him. And even though it may not be 100% full throttle. Um, we're sort of working him back into it, but I'm excited to have him back because I love working with him. How about that? Yeah, that was quite uh, the surprise. You know, I was, I, I got a, I've already been going to practice, and I was at practice yesterday, uh, and I saw the coach on the field, but, uh, uh, you know, we just talked briefly. It was literally, uh, I don't interrupt him during practice, but there is a uh, about a five-minute period there where the guys uh, take another break, and uh, they go and they cool off and, uh, you know, grab uh, uh, ice cream, not an ice cream, but an Ice's pop, you know, something like that. So I went over and I saw the coach, and we probably talked for 30 seconds, maybe, maybe, because he was busy. His mind is elsewhere. But uh, and and then when practice was over, I started driving back to Birmingham, 
because that's where I live, and uh, I, I didn't need to sit and listen to his press conference. Uh, you know, I, I, I can get it online and what have you, which is what I did. And when I saw that and heard that go by, I was absolutely shocked. I, I really was. You know, we get along great. Uh, the coach and I do. We've worked together now, you know, nearly two decades. So, um, you know, we, we have built up a, a very nice relationship, a good working relationship. I mean, we don't go out to, to meals together, uh, but we have a, a great working relationship. And um, I was I was happy to hear him answer as as he did. And I'm looking forward to it. We're doing uh, this Saturday. Uh, we're doing our. Uh, our uh, first scrimmage, uh, as I mentioned, I think, on this show last week or two weeks ago, uh, I've got a new color man this year, um, and I don't believe it's even been announced yet because uh, John Parker has taken a weekend game day job with Coach Saban or on behalf of Coach Saban, and uh, John Parker wanted to stay with, with us on the broadcast, and he, it just wasn't going to work out and he said he said how the heck do I tell coach Saban no and I said well you don't really tell coach Saban no if he offered you this deal and thinks it's important to help the ball club then uh, you need to do it so I'm going to break in a new color man uh, off the air this this broadcast this Saturday and next Saturday are strictly closed circuit if you will it's not even going out anywhere it's just being taped for our own purposes and you know give me a chance to to get the rust off and uh, be ready to go in time for the start of the regular season Eli Gold joining us this morning Eli what impresses you the most about Nick Saban during practice he notices everything. It doesn't matter where he is, and I don't know how many of our listeners have ever been to an Alabama practice. Uh, probably not that many. But there are three full um, football fields of you know practice fields, and you got the offense, you got the defense, you got the special teams, and that is spread out uh, on what I call the back 40. It's a, a, a sprawling area out behind the football building. And uh, it doesn't matter if he's over at this field and you're doing something over there. Uh, the great coaches, the great coaches, uh, Gene Stallings did this as well, uh, the great coaches notice everything. Yes, they have all the other coaches there as well, and everybody's doing their deal, but uh, there's nothing that happens on the practice field that the coach doesn't somehow have his eye on. So uh, that's the big thing. He's, you know, he's, he, he, he lets, he coaches constantly, constantly. The guy's always in somebody's ear, and we were watching yesterday at one point, and uh, somebody on the defensive secondary uh, was out of position on, uh, and I won't mention the guy's name, but he's a good player, very good player. Anyway, he was out of position, and the coach just takes off running. I mean, running at this kid and explaining to him forcefully <laughs> what he did wrong. Uh, he's always coaching and always aware of what's happening. It's early in practice. Any observations you can share with our audience as what you've seen so far? 
Well, you know, one thing I do like, and I, it's not my place to, to, to say, but I did li- I like the uh, the tight ends. Uh, they were very, very good. They were very sizable. I was talking to a coach. <coughs> excuse me. I was talking to a coach yesterday from the New York Jets, and um, he, you know, the NFL coaches are always welcome. Uh, and I say coaches, we're not talking, you know, Coach Sala. It's not the head coach. It's scouts and so on. But uh, I, w- I was talking to him, and he goes, my goodness. He goes, this is a little these, – these guys are a good bit bigger than they were last year. And I said, well, you know, I wasn't here last year, but I take your word for it, and I know what we had. So, you know, that's the thing that people have been impressed with. But, yeah, on an individual position basis, I mean, there are a lot of – there's some great talent, but I was really impressed with the tight ends. You mentioned about uh, Nick Saban coming out when the defensive back – have you ever seen him go out with the offense and the, and whether it be the quarterback? Oh, yeah. Okay, so he, yeah, he's, he's, he's hands on he's with the out offense. He's with everybody, but he he specializes. Obviously, he's a defensive coach, but he is out there with everybody, and uh, there's no you know it doesn't matter what what's going on. He's got his eyes on everything. But yes, if you're ever looking, you run out to practice real quick and you got to find the coach. The first place you look is with the defensive side of the ball because, you know, nine times out of ten, he's there. Uh, but also keeping tabs on everything else. And of course, they've got all these cameras going on, you know. Uh, they have these huge scaffolds in the air and they've got kids on top a student athlete, a students from their uh, managers and equipment people and all taking video. So when he says, "I've I, I got to look at the film," and it's true, he goes back to the to the locker room, addresses the media, and then sits down and goes over all the tape of the practice that he just watched and orchestrated. Let me ask you this: aside from the football field. In lieu of the Kevin Brown Baltimore Orioles story, which I'm sure you're familiar with because you do follow baseball quite a bit, have you ever been called to the carpet or given any kind of indication that your bosses, not fans now, not fans, but your bosses were, let's say, less than happy with something you said, and and whether it be any sport, because you've called a number of sports, and we could go through the whole gamut, but did you ever have to answer to a boss who said you shouldn't have said that, or why'd you say that, or anything like that? Not that I can remember, Lee. No, uh, uh, not that I can remember. And I would tell you if I had, but uh, you know, uh, I, I I don't remember. And 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 that comment that he made sounded like something I would have dug up, or in that case, it was a, it was part of the game notes uh, for the Orioles that night. But uh, that's the kind of stuff I like to use on the air. The stuff that's just uh, not so much obscure, but, you know, a a little different angle to, uh, hey, you know, we just beat these guys twice. That's more than, you know, the last 18 years combined or whatever it might be. But, uh, no, I can't can't remember ever getting – I know I certainly was never suspended or anything, but I, I can't, I don't remember ever being in Dutch with a, with a, with a team owner, president, what have you, head coach, athletic director, uh, because of something I said. I really don't remember that. Eli Gold joining us here on WNSP. All right, 
I got to ask, I didn't get a chance to ask the follow-up, who's your new color guy? You said you're breaking a new guy in. Yes. Uh, my new color man is going to be the guy sitting next to me on Saturday. Hmm. On your left or on your right? Uh, well, I don't know. It depends on what he wants to do. Actually, he'll be sitting to my right. Uh, it's it's likely it's going to be an old, a, a former quarterback. Uh, but that's all. I you know I don't want to take my boss's thunder away uh, because he needs to make that uh, announcement. But yeah, this was a, a, a last minute deal, and I they've got all these different programs. You know what makes Alabama so popular? among the athletes, among the student athletes. They have all these programs um, that they use, you know, that they use to, to, to teach these kids, you know, what's happening, uh, how, how to deal with the media, how to deal with a lot of finances, how to do this, how to do that. You know, they don't miss a thing. Well, they're doing apparently something with the world of finance, and uh, John Parker Wilson, his real job is a he's a very successful uh, financial planner um, for some exceedingly wealthy people, and uh, and I guess the coach wanted him, and the coach had been they'd done some stuff together. Uh, John Parker had traveled with the coach, making some speeches and 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 doing stuff of that nature, and I, apparently they come up with some sort of a, a, a program where JP fit in perfectly. Uh, the only downside here is that it you know, happened right up against the start of the season. But, uh, you know, we've we got it worked out. There's never any lack of available air talent when you talk about the Alabama Crimson Tide. So uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll shake it all down this Saturday and then the following Saturday, and that way we won't have to uh, use the regular season opener against Middle Tennessee. We won't have to use that as a, uh, as a shakedown game. We'll be ready to get going. Hopefully, uh, kind of an off-the-wall question, but uh, were you? Did you have a chance to sit in when Pete Rose spoke to the Alabama team? I did not. I wish I had, but uh, it, it didn't work out for me to do so. But uh, you know, I, I guess he had a very, very informative and emotional presentation. And you know, and, and talked about the mistakes he has made, and and again, that's part of what you know Nick Saban does. He brings we know they, they, he's brought in all sorts of great speakers over the years, but it's not always you know a guy with a so-called positive story to tell. Not that Pete has you know he's done such great things on the baseball diamond, but uh, you know he he's been, he opened up. To the players and to the coaches, so uh, apparently it was it was quite the presentation. Eli, we can't thank you enough. Great stuff with uh, Nick Saban's lead into you. Uh, you've already talked yeah, about that was Dex Imaging. Quite nice. You already mentioned about the being among the leaders in NASCAR, right, or whatever race that Indy. It was Indy, right? Yeah, the Indy car race in Nashville. Yeah. All right. All right, so Eli. It, it, Eli, do me a favor. It's always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. We'll talk to you next week. Yeah, blink if it was if it's Blake Sims, Brody Croyle, or Tyler Watts. Tyler Watts. Did you see me blink? I didn't see you not blink. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Eli. It, it is a former quarterback. Uh, it's it's somebody that everybody knows, but I just. 
you know, it's not my place to make the announcement. Yeah, my, my boss needs to do that. But uh, it's someone that everybody knows, and uh, we'll have an outstanding broadcast. There'll be no problem with that. Enjoy the scrimmage, sir. We'll talk to you next week. All right, guys. See ya. I tried, guys. I tried multiple times. I know you guys are all up in arms in the uh, in in the app. I'm 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 trying every trick in the book. He's a tough he's a tough nut to crack, that Eli Gold. All right, we come back. We'll visit with uh, Dave McCurry, LCM Motorcars, LCMMotorcars.com, Jim Nagy in hour number three, and Dan Jennings as well. We might even have a little Chick Fil A, a little fried deliciousness for you. Let's wrap up hour number two next right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Jake Tucker, quarterback at Alabama. Well, I'm listening to the radio. I'm listening to WNSP. Opening kickoff continues on WNSP, and it's time to highlight the cars of the week with David McCrary at LCM Motor Cars in Theodore. David McCrary, LCM Motor Cars, LCMMotorCars.com joins us here on WNSP, and boy, does he have an inventory on the lot these days. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Mark. Yeah, we've got a great inventory right now. You know, we always talk about inventory, finance, and everything else, but Things rotate, hopefully. That's the way business is. And we've had a lot of inventory go out. We've got a lot of inventory that came in to replace that inventory. So if you had not been out, you can come out and check us out. We've got at least 10 new trucks on the ground from three, four people um, down to half-ton regular gas. So it's a great time to come check us out. And, you know, one of the things we don't talk about enough, uh, you mentioned some time ago, is that uh, if you are if you guys out there are looking to, uh, to trade up or trade out of what you're currently driving – you can come to LCM Motor Cars, and, and you, you'll you take those cars and automobiles off their hands. Absolutely, yeah. We buy vehicles every day, um, try to buy them from individuals, or buy them from dealers. They're local trade-ins, which come from individuals. But anything that you're uh, interested in doing that concerns your vehicle, give us a call if we can help guide you through something or if we can um, trade with you, sell you something. We'd be more than happy to do it. All right. When's a good time to call you? When's the best time to come see you? We're there 8 to 6, Monday through Friday, 9 to 2 on Saturday. Uh, you can come see us. We're at um, Plantation and Highway 90 in Theodore. It's one mile south of I-10 exit 15A. Um, give us a call, 251-375-0068. Hey, great stuff. Thanks, as always, Dave. We really appreciate it. Have a good weekend. That's Dave McCurry, LCM Motorcars, lcmmotorcars.com. Make sure you go to their website. He's constantly updating the inventory, so the trucks he's talking about, you can get a good look at them before you even go out there. Follow them on Facebook as well. They're constantly putting new inventory up at that point. And remember, if they don't have what you're specifically looking for, uh, David and the fine folks over there, they can locate it for you and bring it to the lot. When you uh, were discussing issues with Paul Feinbaum, you mentioned about the Texas A&M Foundation, the 12th man, yep. and how they're switching things around. And to reemphasize the reason they're doing that is because of a letter they got, a memo from the IRS, informing them that the donations may not be tax-deductible. So they switched the thinking on this. Obviously, they don't want to deal with that because, obviously, when donors donate, you know, they feel they can write it off and so forth. Well, now if the IRS gets involved and said, nope, so they had to change the uh, the MO as to how this is going to be done. It's not like it's going away. 
but uh, they're changing the, the format. So getting away from the 12th Man Foundation, which they were using really to dig up all this money for this NIL. Uh, but anybody who's ever had a letter from the IRS, yeah, me, you don't fool around. <laughs> when they send you a letter, you abide by what they say. So the 12th Man Foundation isn't going away. It's that special arm, the 12th Man Plus, right, which was going to give donors priority seating. You know, we, we, we raised our eyebrow when it happened, right? You're going to get priority seating or, like, parking at games based on how much you gave to this arm, which was going directly to NIL. So basically what the IRS is saying is if the collective itself may not qualify as tax-exempt if the main objective of the arm of that collective is paying players. So if the collectives aren't tax exempt, they're saying the coll uh, the collections or the donations collected wouldn't be either. So that's an issue for the 12th Man Foundation. So they're just getting rid of that. They're still going to do NIL. They're still going to continue uh, to to promote and support all that all that stuff. It, they just aren't giving priority seating and all that kind of stuff, which stunk quite frankly when it came out. I didn't like it at all. Um, anyway. You, want, you guys want to do a little speculation? Who's going to be the next color man for the uh, Alabama broadcast team? My guess would be— Former quarterbacks, go. Yeah, my guess would be Tyler Watts because he's already on the network. Uh, he does—we've had him on before. He's done—I know post-game, uh, he's the one that's there to answer questions and so forth. That—immediately, that comes to mind because of this late transition. I mean, it's not—it's it's not like they had a year to prepare for this. It happened suddenly with John Parker Wilson being asked by Nick Saban to help him. So my guess, total guess, I have no way of knowing for sure, would be Tyler Watts. Right. Now, AJ could because he's got some broadcasting experience, right? Not not just here at, uh, uh, not here at WNSP with us, but he uh, he's done a, a college football show uh, in Bristol uh, last season. It's a little different, but, you know. If you could do one, you can you can certainly you can certainly handle the other, I think. And it's right all these quarterbacks, it's right in their wheelhouse because all they're doing is dissecting plays as if they were playing anyway. So I pro I think I agree with you. It's probably Watts. Who are the you mentioned Blake Simpson? Who was the I, I just one? threw I just threw some names right. out there to goof around. I mean, what about what about our good friend Jake? That's what I was going to say. Let's, let's, should should gonna I throw text names I'm, around? I'm going to text Jake right now. Right, let's, uh, let's throw let's Jake's text. name into the mix, too. But I, my guess is because of the unexpectedness and the fact that it happened so soon that they just make the transition and, and put Tyler Watts into the broadcast booth because he's had experience with the network. That That's my total guess. Yeah, I agree. What about a Brody Croyle? I, I, again, I, I don't know what connection there is between Brody and the Alabama radio network so I mean it's he I'm sure he'd be as good as as anybody I, I'm just guessing I don't know for sure and you know you never really know until you get into that booth and and start to see about the chemistry you don't know about the chemistry and I don't know how how close Eli and, and Tyler or anybody else is right now um and, and and a lot can happen now in the next couple of weeks with them working together for these closed scrimmages. So somebody said, would McElroy come down and be the color guy? No, no he just he literally no. yesterday just got announced. Uh, it's a reasonable uh, suggestion, but he just got, quote unquote, promoted to the second kind of the second team. He's doing that Saturday night primetime game 
um, for ESPN, ABC, or whatever. So. All right, just because he's on the station, I'll I'll throw Scott Hunter's name in there. Scott Hunter. Okay. <laughs> Boy, would that be must must watch radio, TV, whatever it is you do, right? Right, Scott and Eli. Yeah, I like it. You can call it Skeli. Hmm. Trying to think of some of the other quarterbacks uh, along the way. Uh, I would assume by Saturday we should know, obviously, if they're together in the booth. No, well, that'll, that'll be, but that'll be a closed circuit yeah, scrimmage. No one's, somebody maybe they're going to go ahead and thin out that quarterback battle and just send uh, Milrow up there. Yeah. Hey, you're doing great stuff. <laughs> you're not going to start, but we're not going to have you holding the clipboard either. You might have a clipboard up there. Yeah. We're going to need you to chart plays from the press box. And, you know, while you're up there, mix it up with the guy to your left a little bit. Just tell him what you're seeing. Yeah. Hour number uh, three is on the way. Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl, will join us. We'll have some Chick-fil-A for you and Dan Jennings as well. Hang with us. And the speculation continues here on WNSP. On the country's first FM all sports radio station, 105.5 FM WNSP and WNSP.com. The latest sports, news, traffic, weather, and timely guests with Mark Heim and Lee Shermanian. The opening kickoff. kickoff. Here are Mark and Lee. Top of the morning to you. Thank you. Hour number three, the opening kickoff. Mark and Lee, we're in the studios of WNSP, and uh, we're getting ready to talk some football. With Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, welcome aboard. We're working on it. Oh, I see. Okay. But that'll give me a chance to tell you guys about what we've been talking about now for a couple weeks. August 17th. Write it down. Love it. Live it. Learn it. Fall football preview party, Heroes, Old Shell Road in West Mobile. Come on by and see us. We are giving away a mini man cave extravaganza as we celebrate, continue our 30th anniversary celebration, the big party. Barrow Fine Furniture has a recliner. We're giving away to you guys, valued at $1,800. Wait, there's more. Bailey's TV and mattress offering up 65-inch 4K. Some lucky listener will walk away with both. How about that? Maybe even get a shirt. Jim Nagy's the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Jim, you're invited to our party next Thursday if you have some time. We're three to whenever. I hope we can see you out there at Heroes in Westmobile. Yeah, I'd love to stop by. Oh, Thanks really? I'm invite. seriously going to get you on the air. I uh, really look forward to hearing from you. I know you got a lot of football information to share. Before we get to the NFL, you've been uh, touring a few college campuses. Any observations or anything you spotted this early in the uh, fall campaign? Well, the only the only college I've hit so far is LSU. I'm doing a swing through Texas next week, hitting six schools in three days in Texas. Uh, 
But LSU is going to be good. I mean, it's not it's not the Joe Burrow team. They don't have a, a ton of early round, first, second round guys like Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson and those guys. But uh, they're really good. Um, and having Jaden Daniels back, um, you know, they won 10 games last year. And I think they're ahead of schedule. And you're, you, you go in that building. I hadn't been in that building in a few years. Um, and it certainly feels different with Brian Kelly. Um, his influence, his discipline – has taken over that building. There's there's definitely a different feel over there now. So this gives you an opportunity not only to, in a sense, scout for the Senior Bowl. Do you get a chance to talk to some of the players that you're interested in? Uh, yeah, I saw Jaden coming off the field after practice. Um, he stuck around with some of the wide receivers, and they all came over and and uh, introduced themselves. So, yeah, we do. We get a chance to, to meet those guys. That's, that's a big part of getting out right now during fall camp. Um, before the season. That's why we're headed over to Texas. Um, there's a lot of good players in the state of Texas this year. So, uh, yeah, so it was a good opportunity to uh, to meet these guys. You have a very strong background in the NFL, having been a scout for over 18, 19 years. I wanted to get your take on, do you think the NFL product to start this season would be better off as far as games and how they're played if these uh, coaches play their veterans a little bit more in the preseason. Oh, definitely. Yeah, definitely. Lee. I think the elimination of that fourth preseason game and, and just everyone's reluctance to play their, their top players, um, it, it impacts it for sure. Um, but everyone's kind of on this, on the, on the same level because everyone's kind of doing the same thing right now. Um, I think we saw that in the hall of fame game. It was, it was funny. Uh, before that game, I can't remember if it was the Browns or the Jets. One of those two teams released a list of players that were were not active for the game, and someone, you know, kind of on Twitter, kind of said, "Well, that's that's the 53-man roster right there." Um, so for that team, so they're playing mostly backups. Yeah, um, yeah the product the product would be better if they played more. And I'll, I'll use the Jets as an example. Okay, obviously Aaron Rodgers has been around, but he hasn't played with these guys. I mean, this is his first year. I don't know if they intend to play him at all, maybe a series two, but I mean, wouldn't it behoove them to get him out there as much as they can to at least get familiar with the, the receivers and, and the linemen and things like that prior to their first game? Well, certainly game reps are different. Um, it, it, yes, but in Aaron's case, at least he was there the entire offseason. I mean, he hasn't been through an offseason in Green Bay in years and years and years, so at least he was there through OTAs in, in May and June and getting on the same page, so um, they're better there than they would have been had he, had he pulled what he pulled in Green Bay. Um, but no, the game reps, you can't simulate the game reps. He's Jim Nagy, the executive director of the Reese's Senior Bowl. Give him a follow on Twitter at Jim Nagy underscore SB. So he, he started bringing up the NFL. I got to ask, I, I don't know if you had a chance to see the Johnny Manziel uh, doc on Netflix yet, Jim. Uh, but they did this whole segment with his agent and going to the combine and him going out partying and didn't didn't think they were, he was going to pass the drug test and everything he had to do to kind of get past that. Um, it was it was fascinating. Dude just said he was going to pound water for like 48 hours and get it all out of his system. Um, uh, so it was nothing but water and Pedialyte nonstop, and apparently it worked. Yeah, I did actually watch that last night. No, it was uh... – <laughs> That was a good. That was a good documentary. I know the agent Eric Burkhart really well. He's a guy that I have to deal with for our roster quite a bit. Eric gets a lot of good players. Um, yeah, just it just goes to show the lengths that uh, these agents and these teams, these 
you know, kind of the, the groups around these players, the lengths they have to go to sometimes to cover up for for these guys. I mean, they were going to have Johnny's dad fake a heart attack. Yeah. So Johnny could Johnny could come to the combine and then leave. They were, I mean, it was it was incredible. Um, but watching that, but watching that documentary made me realize like what an entertaining player he was. Oh yeah. And then it just makes you then it just makes you wonder what if you know had he put in the time and actually studied and watched tape. I mean, they said he put in zero, zero. hours on his iPad. Yeah. I mean, teams can log that stuff. I remember, I remember when iPads first came out and they were having players watch video on iPads. There was a starting quarterback at Auburn um, when we went in that fall in August, and we were he was a rising senior quarterback. And, you know, we went in there as scouts and we asked the coaching staff, you know, how's he doing? How's he doing in the preparation? He's going to be the starter. And he said he'd logged zero hours on his iPad all summer. Uh, (laughs) And needless to say, that that wasn't a great season for Auburn football. So I don't even know if that quarterback held his job through the entire year. But, uh, yeah, they did a really good job of that documentary. Jim, Hall of Famer Joe Thomas was on the Dan Patrick show yesterday. And they got into the Johnny Manziel because obviously Thomas was a lineman with the Browns during Manziel's short stint there. And Patrick asked him uh, about Manziel, if he was surprised at what happened. And he said, no, you know, he said that he was absent a lot. But he also said, and I'm paraphrasing, he wasn't impressed with the guy's arm. He, he didn't. Because of his physical limitations, the height and everything, that he had a lot going against him when he came to the Browns. And then, of course, the fact that he'd be off on binges and things like that. Now, you're a pretty good evaluator of talent. If he had dedicated himself, and I mean really dedicated himself, could he have been a serviceable quarterback in the NFL? Yeah, I think so, definitely. Yeah, he wasn't the, he wasn't the biggest guy, but he was a dynamic athlete. Um he was, yeah, I mean, he's not quite Kyler Murray um, athletically, but there was, it was close. I mean, he would have been the top two or three athletes of the position in the league, which can, you know, you can move around. You can, you can get away with some of the, the height limitations. So, no, he, he had the chance to be a good quarterback. Um, but the other thing that came out of that documentary, which, which they fooled us. I mean, I remember when he was coming out, I was in Seattle, and the narrative was that Johnny came from all this money, yes. that he had family money, family oil money, and that's where, you know, they were trying to, uh, you know, there's a hoax. I mean, I guess he didn't come from a ton of money, um, but that's what his people were putting out there. So um, it wouldn't look crazy that Johnny was driving around in nice cars and wearing Rolexes. And, um, you know, he wasn't he wasn't doing anything, uh, even though he did have the NCAA suspension. Um, they were trying to make it look like he wasn't doing it. There was no wrongdoing, right? Um, he had us fooled. I mean, we thought Johnny was, was from a rich family, so. Um, it, was a, it, was a, it was a fascinating watch last night. I, I tell you what, though, uh, Nate probably doesn't get nearly the credit he deserves. I mean, that dude, for his age, certainly had a, a, a pretty good you know, grasp of the situation, right? Uh, I thought that was interesting. The fact that he got an 80-20 split, was willing to fall on the sword if he had to. And even, even uh, more interesting, they probably could have done a whole segment on the fact that they don't even have a relationship anymore. Those two that, you know, Johnny mentioned that at the end of the, uh, at the end of the doc. Yeah. He, I mean, he cut him out of his life basically during the draft process Yeah, and the two guys haven't spoken since then. And, and then through college, they were inseparable. So yeah, that was, that was kind of crazy that it seems like Johnny's in a good place and he's beyond some of his demons and he hasn't circled back and kind of brought his old best friend back into the, into the fold. So I don't know, maybe there's more to that. Maybe that's an entire documentary in itself. Like what really caused the rift there? Um, Cause he, if he was,
was just cutting him out because, you know, his agent thought that he needed to cut him out. He was a bad influence. Um, here we are like 10 years later, whatever it is, eight, nine, 10 years later, you would think he would circle back at some point. So yeah, that's uh that was, that was an interesting uh, kind of side yeah. story as well. Jim, uh, speculating on the NFL, uh, obviously ways to go before we even get to the regular season, some exhibition games, but is Kansas City the team to beat, do you think, uh, a possible repeat? Uh, they, they have to be. Um, someone asked me that on a show a couple of days ago, and I, I couldn't come up with anyone but the Chiefs right now. Um, you know, they've got, again, they've, they've lost some players over the years. They lost Tyreek Hill, but I think they've got some young receivers, including Kadarius Toney, that could step up that are really talented. I mean, until somebody knocks them off, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, the, the scary the scary part is like Pat Mahomes is entering his peak years right now. It's like those, you know, the, the, where the physical talent and then the experience factor um, and just the football intelligence is all coming to a, to a head, um, which has got to be scary for the league. I, they, they have to be the favorites. All right. How about a team or two that, you'd say look out for that they could be pretty good this year maybe we kind of written them off in the last couple of years but it seems like the nfl always has a, a team that rises from the ashes and makes the postseason and makes some noise is there such a team this year well i mean i don't know if they're they're rising from the ashes because they kind of did that last year everyone this is a homer pick now the um admittedly but the, everyone wrote the seahawks off last year um, and Geno Smith had a Pro Bowl season and kind of surprised everyone. But, man, they, they have, they've nailed the last two drafts. They have a lot of good young players. Uh, I've heard Derek Hall from Auburn just talking to the guys up there. He's at an unbelievable training camp, and he's probably not even going to start. Um, they have some really good depth on that on that defensive front. So the Seahawks, I think they're going to be good. Um, I think everyone just thinks the 49ers are going to run away with that division, and, and I don't think that's going to be the case. And then, you know, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs this year, but I think the Houston Texans are heading in the right direction. I think D'Amico Ryans, former Alabama star, is, is the right guy for the head coaching job. Uh, you know, they're playing the young quarterback, C.J. Stroud. Um, so that's going to – it's hard to win with a young guy. They're, he's going to have to take his lumps. But, again, I think they're a team that's had two really strong drafts. They drafted a bunch of Alabama players. Uh, hearing great things about Henry Toto, uh, what he's done in training camp so far. They get John Mechie back. So I think the Houston Texans, maybe not this year playoffs, but I think that team's headed in the right direction. One of your former teams, New England, is it possible that they could finish last in their division? And if so, what could that mean to Bill Belichick? Uh, yeah, I think it's possible. I think that's the, to me right now, that's the best division on paper in terms of top to bottom, four teams that you could easily see in the playoffs. Um, I mean, you could jumble that thing up. I could see the Patriots winning the division. I could see them finishing last. Um, could say that basically about every, every one of those teams. I mean, the Jets are going to be better with Aaron Rodgers. The Dolphins had a good year last year and they added Jalen Ramsey and some pieces on defense. They'll be better if Tua stays healthy and then Buffalo Bills are the Buffalo Bills. So, um, I could see it. what it means for Bill. I've, I've no idea. I mean, that's, if anyone's deserved, you know, a long leash, it's Bill Belichick. I mean, I know they've missed the playoffs. You know, I think, I think they definitely missed it last year. I can't remember two years ago, maybe they squeaked in with Mac Jones's rookie year, but, um, but no, I mean, it shouldn't, I, I, I couldn't imagine, even if they had a really rough year this year, I can't imagine Bill going anywhere, but that's just speculation. All right. A couple of things. Cause you know me, I'm a cultural rot kind of guy. I think if you get Johnny's uh, approval, we can we can we can go with a, a, a new saying or a motto at, at the Senior Bowl: "Win or lose, we booze." What do you think? 
<laughs> I don't know if that's the uh, <laughs> the image slogan that, that that our board and our chairman are going to be be about, Mark. I don't know. I'm, I'm just I think, the draft starts in, I think we're going to stick with the draft starts in Mobile on that one. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, it's, I'm just spitballing here, Jim, which is why I'm not in marketing. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and I got to ask you, were you ever at a private workout that comes anywhere close to the one that Johnny Manziel was telling us about in the doc where he was at Cleveland and both one one receiver was missing after a night of partying and the other one was passed out so he had his lawyer and his agent run routes no and I you know they weren't showing a whole lot of clips of that I remember watching that on TV I was somewhere else traveling around to pro days and that was on live on the NFL network um, and first of all Johnny had his shoulder pads and helmet on which you never see and then you you had George Whitfield, his quarterback coach, like chasing after him with brooms and rakes and trying to distract him um, during the workout, which was kind of crazy. But they didn't show any clips yesterday of Eric Burkhart, the agent, running any routes and trying to catch balls. I would pay I would pay money to see that old footage and see Burkhart trying to run routes and catch the ball from Johnny. Such great stuff. Hey Jim, thanks so much, man. I'll, I'll get let let that percolate the win or lose we booze thing. Just just let it simmer for a bit. We'll get back to it. Well, I know I know some of our players at Dolphin Street after the game, so I know that's that's probably their motto for some of our players. But it, it, we 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 can't push that out from the office. Fair enough. I I, I could see the ramifications <laughs> of such a thing. All right, man. Hey, we appreciate it. Uh, right, always guys. good to catch up with Have you. Have a good weekend. Yep, that's Jim Nagy, ladies and gentlemen. All right, scoreboard, traffic, weather are next, and a chance for you to get in some Chick Fil A. Dan Jennings. I keep wanting to say Dawn. <laughs> Why? Why would you do that? Uh, Dan Jennings will join us at 8.30. There's plenty going on. It's the opening kickoff right here on the sports station, WNSP and WNSP.com. Hey, this is Showtime boxing analyst Steve Farhood, and you're listening to Sports Radio 105.5 WNSP. Chick-fil-A. I could eat there seven times a day Where the people laugh and children play Oh, I'm in love with Chick-fil-A All right, here we go. A little fried deliciousness courtesy of WNSP and Chick-fil-A. I need waffle fries and with uh, Mike Lorenzen's no-hitter, it overshadowed uh, quite a comeback yesterday. Philly rookie by the name of Weston Wilson ended uh, a year out of baseball. He was actually driving for a food service. He's also survived a blood clot in his shoulder that derailed his career. He had had 2,836 minor league plate appearances before he was called up. And in his first at-bat yesterday in that no-hitter by Lorenzen, homered. Name the last Philadelphia Philly to homer in his first at bat in the major leagues. And here's a hint. He's a former South Alabama Jag. Okay. So if you know that uh, short answer to that very long-winded question, give it a shot. 694-1055. And maybe you'll get to yourself some goodies. Uh, All right. Dan Jennings coming up. Uh, There's some uh, speculation as – because uh, Jim Nagy pointed out there was an Auburn quarterback who didn't watch any film. And so now there, the speculation has gone from who's going to be the next color man at Alabama's broadcast booth to who was the Auburn quarterback that didn't watch film. Um, Nick Marshall has been named in the app. It's got to be. It can't be Cam because I got the sense from Jim's comments that it was a guy returning for a f- another year. 
So I would put my money on Nick Marshall. I, I'm with the listener. But didn't they also say, or no, I, I didn't, that it, the, the quarterback wasn't that successful? Or because Nick was a successful quarterback. Yeah. That's a good point. Mm. I mean, there are quarterbacks that were not very successful at Auburn. And again, I I don't have a, a list laundry list in front of me. But if, in fact, you're saying, well, because he didn't watch film or something like that, that, you know, he didn't have a good career. Nick Marshall I almost took him to a championship with it. What about few- Sean White? I'm or guessing Jeremy Johnson. That's the one I was thinking of, Mark. Mm. But I don't. Ha- I I have no reason to believe it's him. But that's the person I was thinking of. The plot thickens. Stay with us, WNSP. Thanks for hanging with us on a Thursday. It's been a lot of fun. The opening kickoff continues. Dan Jennings, Assistant General Manager of the Washington Nationals, front and center. Danny, welcome to the show. Good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good morning, guys. I hope you uh, thank Nick for sparing you hearing the last out in the no-hitter yesterday, which we've already run a few times, and I did put that in, but he, he spared you having to listen to it. That's why Nick's my man in the morning. I love Nick. He takes care of us. We uh, we got taken care of yesterday. That was you hate to have it happen to you, but sometimes it's just part of the game. And when a pitcher's got it clicking like that, like Lorenz had, he uh, he had all his pitches working, and uh, he located well. And you know, we just come off of uh, we've actually been playing really, really good. Have uh, won about uh, I think eight out of our last 11 series and uh, just was not our day yesterday. You know, I didn't know this until this no-hitter, and that's not why we booked you by it. This was booked a couple days ago, but the Washington Nationals, since they arrived in D.C., they've never been no-hit before. I I didn't realize that until last night, the longest stretch without a no-hitter. Yeah, I saw that. uh, I I did not uh, realize that either, but when I saw it on the teams who had have the longest uh, stretch of games without being no hit <laughs> and I thought wow that's pretty good I guess we were due all right we, I got one more question before we really get to the real issue of why I booked you uh, you know they're talking about the heat mobile but you're out in Arizona aren't you yeah I'm here out in uh, Phoenix and oh man let me tell you what it, last night at first pitch the six o'clock game first pitch was 108 degrees and uh <laughs> it is some kind of smoking hot so yeah it's uh they can call it dry heat i don't know it feels like a blow dryer blowing on you the whole time i actually read somewhere where the heat got up to about 120 in phoenix is that true yeah i know this my first day in it was up to 117 so it's uh it's pretty warm out here and uh they keep telling me the monsoons are coming i sure wish it would happen while i'm here and take some of this heat out well we're under a heat dome uh which i never knew existed before this year i mean generally when we talk about domes in reference to sports they're all good right climate controlled you open them up from time to time life is good but damn a heat dome ain't no fun 
No, it's uh, I had never heard of that either, Mark. And when I read it and read about how and why, I thought, well, that makes sense. But it certainly isn't something new. So is this a new term? Or uh, hopefully it will get away and get out of there, and we can focus on. Uh, baseball down the stretch as well as college football kicking off so are you in the stands perspiring or what i know it's dry heat uh, it's actually being like in a sauna isn't it a sauna bath that's, ex- that's exactly what it's like and i the water you just can't uh, you can't get enough of it i'm i'm going through uh, probably three bottles of water a game and it's uh it's not it's not the most fun i've ever had i'll tell you that pace yourself dan remember it's a it's a marathon not a sprint i know you may think i'm um um we we talked about this woman that uh took down 64 ounces of water in what was it 20 minutes yeah and then so well. she died Oh wow! How about that? That's not good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, <laughs> Dynamite I'll drop in. Face myself. I don't want to see. Uh, I don't want that to happen. No, I just. It's, I, uh, it's, go ahead. I was just going to say to what you do is you do one bottle of water, you do one beer, and then go back to water. Oh, that's well. If I can do that now, I might. I might stay in the desert a while. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back when, when I covered a World Series game at Chase Stadium, it was so cold, I left in the seventh inning. Does it ever get too hot where you just pack up and leave after a few innings? Um, you know what, Lee? I guess it could if it was in the daytime. Saturday's going to be uh, interesting because uh, all games will be at 11. So maybe it won't be as bad. It appears to be, you know, around 3 o'clock is where the worst heat is. And... Um, if we could just get that little bit of rain, maybe it'll take some of it out of here. But we'll see. Saturday's going to be a true test. You're, you're, you're a survivor. You'll make it. All right. Uh, here's why I wanted to talk to you. The Kevin Brown story. Not the former pitcher, but the broadcaster for the Orioles. My understanding is the same, and I don't know if I use the correct term, network that he broadcast the Orioles is also – part of the Washington Center, uh, Nationals that, that's combined. Uh, help me out on this as far as how your thoughts on why, you know, him being let go. I, we already know what he said, and, and nobody seems to support the owner for doing this. But, like, I, th- I thought Major League uh, announcers, well, is he under the club control or was, is he under a sponsorship or is he a network or how does all this transpire where this guy got suspended? Well, they're under club control, and uh, I too heard the uh, you know heard what he said, the descriptive remarks about how the uh, Orioles had not played well against Tampa, and on and on. Actually, listened to it a couple of times, and there was nothing zero that come out to me that would be uh, you know offensive or negative. And I was surprised. I, I saw the game. I guess it was last night in Baltimore where they were. Uh, Chanting free Kevin Brown, free Kevin Brown. I thought that you know that says a lot when you have a fan base that supports the uh, the uh, personalities on the radio, and I thought that was tremendous. So uh, I'm not real sure why uh, the radio. I mean, the uh, TV is Masson, which is uh, they do both the Nationals and Baltimore. And, uh, you know, maybe this was something that that has been brewing for a long time. Um, you know, you never know what sets somebody off about how they say descriptive things. But um, I, I was surprised and really shocked 
Uh, I don't know him personally, but I know he is certainly loved up there in that area. And uh, when I saw the video about what he said and and what happened, I was I was really surprised. So, what is the name of the, the network now? Because, it, like you said, it's for both the Orioles and Washington. Yeah, Masson, M-A-S-N, Masson. Okay, let me ask you, as a former general manager of the Miami Marlins and also manager. Did you ever get on an announcer's case for something they said about the Marlins when you back in your day? I did. I absolutely I did. I uh, I have I have approached them on uh, charter flights, and I would say, you know what, that's a little rough on so and so, especially if it's negative towards a player, towards uh, either a play. You know, I mean, errors and things like that are going to happen. But if it's a uh, if it gets personal. And I think then as a GM or as an owner, you certainly have that right. You know, and I always respected our guys. I thought that they were very good in any of the cities I've worked. Um, but sometimes, you know, they may have a bad day. Maybe they have maybe they have a little grudge against some a player and they kinda air it on the uh on the T V. And so yeah, I have done that and I've actually had uh I've actually had pretty stern conversation with uh one of one of our uh, one of our guys and he apologized and he he actually to his credit he apologized to the player so i remember the one with uh david price and dennis Eckersley a few years ago in boston and it got uh, it got pretty ugly so let me ask you this what kevin brown said was in the press notes I basically is reading from the press clip or the press notes that are put together before every game. They had graphics. Why was he the only one suspended? Because he's just reading something the PR people put out. Yeah, I, I again, I was very surprised, and uh, I, I purposely re-listened to it to see if there was, you know, was there a sarcastic point that was made, something of that nature. And it certainly didn't come off that way. I thought it was very professional. It was almost a, uh, it was positive about the fact that, you know, what they haven't done in the past or couldn't do now, they were they were playing much better in uh, Tampa against the Rays. When I used to listen to uh, Skip Carey, he could be very critical of the Braves. I, I, I don't know if you remember all that. And, and you know his dad, Harry Carey, was very critical. I, I'm wondering where the fine line is. I mean, do clubs pretty much stay out of it and let a, an announcer, you know, say what they want? Or do they put these limitations on what they can say? This is the first time I've heard of anything like this. I think if it goes personal, then I think it's, uh, you know, the, you, you have to step in or say something. I think if it r represents the heartbeat of the fan who listens, because let's face it, man, there are some cities, and, uh, I mean, we can go through a list and name guys. They are beloved by the fans. You know, Harry Carey, Vince Scully. Uh, you, you think back to some of the great announcers of the Yankees, and they roll with these guys, and the fans love them, and they elevate them really to a status of almost untouchable. And, um, you know, if they're if the team's playing bad, man, I didn't have a problem with the announcer saying, hey, we're, you know what, we're in a funk and we just can't seem to hit with runners on base. And, you know what, they're telling the truth. And the, the truth is what the fans want to hear. 
Um, but for me personally, and I did this as a manager, I think you have to protect your players. And if you get personal against a player, then I think that's crossing that, that fine line for me. That's where it is. Not so much about the overall nature of your club and how you're playing or things you're not doing, but about a player, then I think it, it's stepping over that line. Hey, so, Dan, I'm, we're talking about obviously everybody is supporting this guy, right? But there are times, I'm curious, have you ever, has anybody ever called for your job? You've been in a lot of high-profile spots, right? Like, and, and how do you react to that? And I'm not talking about a, a, a guy in your organization that calls games for your, your team, but how do you, have you ever been in that situation? And what, what I mean, what's that like? It's, uh, oh yeah, I've been there and it's, you know what, it's one of those where you have to, it's cliche as we've heard it our whole life is, hey, they paid their money, they bought their ticket, they can say what they say, but you bet, I, uh, when I went down on the field to manage, I told my wife and my family, I said, listen, whatever you guys do, this is outside the box, people are going to have an opinion about it, you know, and it's just the nature of society, and, uh, you know, there were some things at at our games that people would say and uh you know one night it, it really got off with my wife in a bad way and i uh you know you just have to you have to mentally prepare knowing that there are some people out there that are going to fire away in a negative way about anything they have no they have no sense of remorse on something that they would say and so they say it and uh it's kind of funny at times because when i would go on the road as a manager you know there would be uh there would be some some really quippish things that were said to me uh on the road you just you had to let it kind of roll on and off your back and keep moving what's the uh what's the worst thing someone ever said to you well, one of the funniest one was in Toronto, and uh, they're on fire, and they're killing us. And in Toronto, the stands actually go beyond the dugout. So if you're sitting uh, beyond the right field side of the dugout, fans can look in. And one guy yells out, Jennings, it's Loria on the phone. He's going to fire you. And I couldn't help it. I shot back. I said, no, he's not. He's got two other managers under contract, and the whole my, my bench erupted. They howled, and uh, the guy's acting like he's holding the phone. And it, it just, you know what? If you play along a little bit, the fans and the, they they even started laughing. And the guy got off of me, yeah. but boy, he was riding me hard until that point. Want to reminisce a little? Remind. I know the story. Maybe Mark hadn't heard what your mother said after you got hired by the Miami Marlins to manage. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. <laughs> Have you lost your mind? Yeah, that was it. So you did you ever, mind? did you ever, like Billy Martin, it was, it's well documented that George Steinbrenner used to call down to the dugout to talk to Martin. Did you ever have to deal with that, with the owner calling down to the dugout to talk to you? Well, that's what ended up kind of ending our relationship yeah it was uh, he didn't call to the dugout but it was certainly uh, after the game yeah i think that happens in every uh every situation um you know there's i could tell you guys some some great stories i know over time i've heard from other managers uh, uh jack mckeon's had millions of stories to tell about uh uh marge shot and also uh uh, what's his name? They used to be with the Athletics, Charlie Finley. Uh, Charlie Finley. 
Charlie Finley, and uh, so many stories. So I think every manager in their own way have to deal with it. Um, you know, thank God they don't have a hotline to the dugout because I'm sure that they would try to find a way during that time to call and express something that you should be doing. Dan, great stuff. If it were me, I think maybe what I would do is I'd just get a little baseball and sign, I, I, I quit for the love of the game, and then have a little ball boy run it up to him. What do you think? Not bad. That's actually not bad. I like that. That's kind of uh, That kind of has a little movie doesn't it. it though doesn't it me and kevin costner baby hey danny you always I love have it. you have good sources we've been we talked to eli gold this morning he's getting a new commentator because john parker wilson's moving down to the field he won't give out the name he's going to work with him this week at a close scrimmage but he did say he's an ex-quarterback want to guess or make a guess as to who you think that might be speculate wow well, i'm gonna say uh aj mccarran he said it so quickly and so confidently. It sounds like it might be true. I don't know. I'm just taking a shot in the dark. But, wow, that's uh, I didn't realize I love John Parker. I think he does such a good job, gives great insight. So, I don't know. I'm just – I hope we never have to get a crowd out on Dolphin Street screaming, uh, free Lee Shervanian, free Lee Shervanian. I don't think you have to worry about that. Oh, they're going to they're gonna be screaming. They, that's just not what they're going to be screaming about, Lee, I can assure you. <laughs> Hey, uh, try not to melt, and uh, we'll tr we'll talk to you again soon. All right, guys. Enjoyed it. Thanks, Dan. take care. Have a great week. That's Dan Bye -bye. Jennings, ladies and gentlemen. All right, one final segment, closing ceremonies. We'll give you a sneak peek into uh, tomorrow's show as well. You guys can jump in at 694-1055. The opening kickoff continues for one more segment. David Morse of QB Country. When I'm in my car, I always have it tuned in to 105.5 WNSP, the sports station. Shervanian? Well, free Lee Shervanian. Yeah, free him. Free, free. That's, uh, you remember when I used to work with uh, Wayne Gardner? He's the one that came out with that phrase, if it's free, it's me. Anyway. And you, you adopted that? I didn't adopt it. He's the one who actually first used it. In reference to you or just in general? No, just in general. Oh, okay. If it's free, it's me. I kind of feel like you model your life on that statement, though. I don't think there's anybody out there who would argue that if it's free, it's okay. Legally, of well, course. You would? There's got to be some things that if it's offered for free, it's a red flag, right? Um, I haven't I haven't run into that, but you're you're correct. Yes, that would be the case. I would think so. Hmm. I can think of some examples. Oh, well, you you live a different life than I do. Uh, I don't know the people you hang out with, but you seem to have. The dark side. You and Aaron Rodgers. You remind me of him. The dark side. I've when when some when I say free, you know free, um, I won't get into it. It's not important I mean, now. Yeah, there would be some things. You know, if something were offered free that was like consensual, I 
yeah. with without a whole lot of context or background, right. my uh, red flag. Especially if red you get, flag would go up. Especially That's on, about all that would go up. You know these calls, <laughs> these calls you get. Like if you do this or that, I hang up on them immediately. We went through all that when I first moved down here, and you know you you, you go down to the uh, Gulf Shores, and they have this special going on, and you get free this, free that. It it wasn't worth it. We we ran into situations like that. But anyway, about this show and this Nick, this uh, something you may want to pay attention to. You know the thing. One of the things that really got my attention this week was when that top 10 poll came out and Mary G. Montgomery was in there. So we're going to have a follow-up with the Vikings coach. I can't remember the last time I ever saw MGM in football ranked in a preseason top 10. We'll have previews of South Alabama and Alabama scrimmages coming up. Those are some of the things we're working on right now. How about that? MGM on the come up. Spell it backwards. M-G-M. Do you know the fight song? Um, I'm pretty sure it's the same fight song that the Minnesota Vikings use. Well, if you have it, play it when Zach's on tomorrow. I'm, I'm sure I can find something. Do Do you think Zach would know it's the MGM fight song, or do you sure think why y'all playing the Minnesota Vikings fight <laughs> song? <laughs> well, they're playing tonight too. The Vikings are. Okay. All right. What's free? It sounds like a riddle. All right, guys. What's free yeah. <laughs> that you would have no part of? We got it. We got two or three minutes here. I need to hear from you guys at six nine four one zero five five. Hmm, what's free? That well, I it's like, what's the context of getting it for free? Like, if that like, hey, you just want a free car, or is it like, hey, man, just take this thing? <laughs> you know, like, it, right? It depends on the context of it. Yeah, I mean, if, if a guy. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if a guy was like, hey, man, I don't need this anymore and tosses me a pistol. Right. <laughs> no, I'm not taking it. Exactly. You know, to borrow a phrase from our current conversation or our pre, uh, our recent conversation, I don't know where that thing's been. Like, I don't want I don't want none of that. I don't know. So some stranger comes up to you and says, hey, man, I'm not finishing this. And it's like a pizza or something. Are you taking that? <laughs> I Probably I don't, not a free pizza that probably I not doing it. Definitely not doing it. Okay, so if it's free, it's me. Probably needs to be tweaked. All right. Okay. Examples like you go into a, a restaurant in Mobile, and because they know you or like what you do, they pick up the tab, and you don't. Okay, that's about as far as that's as far as you're gonna go. Pretty much. Do people pick up the tab often whenever you go out to eat, Lee? It happened that's, a long time ago, a couple that's of times. I got it. I'm not going to get into the full story, but my son wanted me to take him. This was obviously when he was living here and he was young, and he did not want anything free. He said sometimes we'd go out and, and the meals would be compensated for because of advertising or things that we were doing you know, at the station. Well, I said, all right, you pick the place. You pick the place, I'm paying, right? This actually happened. He picked the place. We're there. I had to run out to the car to get something after the meal, and I came back in, and the manager said, Lee, this meal's on me. No, I'm like, no, no. I said, I'm paying for it. No, no. Oh, no, Lee, this is on me. Don't you worry about it. My son, son went nuts. Your son said he didn't want anything for free, but right. he said, hey, Dad, we <laughs> Yeah, so, so the manager picked up that said, this, this is on me. 
So so the two the two best parts of this story is kid wants something for fr uh, doesn't want anything for free, isn't gonna pay for it, wants yeah. dad to pay for it, and the fact that Lee said he wasn't gonna get into it and told us the whole story. Those are the two best parts, right there. You asked, I told. There you go. If it's free, it's Lee. But it's not. He has boundaries. He wouldn't take a free pizza if somebody rolled up and said, here, I, no, I'm not No, absolutely not. I will not take anything like that. What no about a, 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 a fruit cup? Oh, absolutely not. I know you're not, not a big pizza guy. What no. if it was a fruit cup? No. What if it were sealed? It wasn't open like it came from no. Publix in the fridge. Nope. 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 What if it were berries? I got plenty of berries Dark at home. chocolate. I have plenty of it at home. I don't need anybody to give me anything. Okay, there you go. So much for Christmas gifts. We're done. We'll be back tomorrow at 6. See ya.